Hello and welcome once again to the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. My name is Brian Vitale. We've got the usual crew here today. Let's go through them. We have George Foster. Hello, everyone. Josh Torres. Everything happened this week. That's it. This is the avalanche. This, this is the week. week. Yeah, this is the week. Adam Vitale. Hey, guys. And James Galizio. Maybe we'll be done recording by this time next week. Yeah, so uh, anyone that listened to last week's podcast, we were like, meh, there's not a lot to talk about, like not a lot of news. Let's just spend an hour talking about Nocturne and then an hour talking about Final Fantasy XI. You know, two games from the early aughts, that, you know, we just had to fill the space with. And I think we had some great discussions, but now it seems like the world has corrected itself. It's like, oh, you want more topics to talk about, huh? So. We got a deluge of stuff out of the Dragon Quest 35th anniversary event. We had a Metal Max 30th anniversary event, I believe. We had some Monster Hunter from their digital event, some surprise Pokemon news, some other stuff that fell through. Oh, yeah, the Sonic event, which we'll talk about in a very minor way. Uh, so it seems like the summer of E3, not E3, Game Fest, whatever you want to call it, is here in some form. Yeah. Yes, and uh, we have like the Xbox event to look forward to, E3 itself, whatever it's going to look like this year to look forward to. So, uh, so yeah, a lot of stuff to go through, and we will have to somehow figure out our way to comb through it. Uh, so we won't probably spend quite as long talking about video games we've been playing this week before we get into the big topical rollout and discussion. But we still want to start with that, as we always do. Uh, here is something that we kind of teased last week, but we didn't talk about because uh, Mr. George wasn't here to uh, Mr. George. To, rega <laughs> to regale us about it. So a recent RPG that we had kind of been hyped for. Is that the right word? It feels weird to say it in retrospect. Uh, we'll get into it. I think uh, yeah, uh, I was like, anticipating. Yeah, it's yes. like, okay, it's a brand new thing. It's not a sequel. It's from a relatively small studio and uh, with big ambitions. What are we talking about, George? Biomutant. Biomutant. All right, here we go. I'm, I'm hyped. George, you are, you are the one that has played Biomutant, so we're like, we don't want to just like adopt other people's opinions, but we right. do want to hear yours. Uh, tell us about your time with Biomutant. Okay. Um... I feel like so many of the times I review a game, I come on, I come on the podcast, and I'm like, oh, I do a big sigh, I'm like, it wasn't that good. <laughs> Biomusant isn't bad, but considering how excited I was, considering how exciting it looked, it's a letdown. Uh, you think this is a systemic problem, George, of like marketing campaign cycles, how, uh, raising your expectations, and you, then... I, I think. I think maybe I'm the worst person to ask about that because my expectations are always sky high. I'm always hyped about everything. But it doesn't take much for games to like, I, I still walk away happy. I walked away from Biomutant literally sad. Like, I, I, I finished it and I was like, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I, I don't want to write about it. Um, but I guess I should go into why. 
But this is uh, like the first game from this new new studio. This was published by THQ Nordic. And I for, I'm forgetting the studio's name, but I think Experiment it's Experiment like 101. Yeah, the first. Yeah, they're, they're like they're like yeah. kind of they're kind of like named after the project in an indirect way. So yeah, yeah, uh, well, it's better than like Balan Studio or something. So it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So it, it, yeah, that's a good place to start as well. The team making Bi Mutant is very small compared to like normal. I think it's like it's either twenty or forty. Um. And I have to give props there. Like, I do have to give props, because it is quite a big game. It's ambitious in many ways. Uh, but overall, like, I can't really let that colour my feelings. I still I still want to, you know, speak the truth or whatever. Um, so let's start with the story, uh, the sort of setup. Uh, you play as a sort of one-eyed shinobi. You're a little, like, rabbity, furry creature thing. Not that kind of furry, just, you know, texture. Um, and... <laughs> You're, you return to this land, this area, uh, many years after like a childhood tragedy like sent you packing away. Um, and then you get there, and you're basically told, oh, the tree of life, which sustains all life, it's dying. So go kill these four big beasts that are kind of destroying it. Uh, and then avenge your family by, you know, killing this other guy. And... Also, choose like one of these tribes, like align yourself. Are you good? Are you bad? And yeah, that's about it. It doesn't like really go anywhere. You don't, the, the ending, like, I won't say it obviously, but it's just really weird and confusing. Like, not in the sense of like, oh, oh, what does this mean? Like, in the sense of like, like what was the point of that? Like, how did this just end? Like, it just ended out of nowhere. Um, oh, God, there's so much to unpack. Uh, right, so I'll start, I'll start positive. So character customization, really good, really really cool. Um, so you get a bunch like choices between like just how you want to be, how you want to play the game. So like if you want to be focused on shooting or two-handed weapons or one-handed weapons, uh, and it does feel like there's a genuine difference between like the classes you choose and the sort of breed you choose. So it's not just like looks; it affects your starting stats and also affects some of the skills you get. What about um, your actual appearances? Like, do you if, uh, if you like scale like your your legs or your arms to a certain way? Or do they have like inherent buffs as you oh, as you play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's one of the cool things is that each like each class looks different to start with, and then you can kind of like scale it, and it does actually affect like if you give yourself like longer legs, you're a bit faster, that sort of thing. Well, it's that's, not that's actually kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a it was a cool thing. Um, and I'll admit straight away that when I finished the game, I did actually want to, and I did as well, go back and try out like a different class. Like it does, it does invite customization. It does invite creativity. I think, uh, but there's no, it's not limiting either. So I didn't feel like spoilers here. But uh, if you choose melee weapons for this game, you're like you're totally screwing yourself over. <laughs> I was gonna ask, um, is the character like? And just a player avatar, or do they speak and have their own personality and everything like that? Well, that, that this is it's so like hard to choose where to go because Biomutant has so many like when you mention one thing, there's as it's an ambitious game, there's loads of different paths to talk about. Um, so it's basically an avatar, but you choose your morality, um, and that sucks. And I will get to that. And there aren't actually voices in the game it's all done by a narrator who like narrates literally everything and that also sucks so i will get to that as well um, no. yeah okay. it's it this is what i mean so many cool ideas but like on paper it's flubbed but yeah i'll so you you make your character uh you choose your class 
really cool, like, genuinely, like, quite a lot of options, uh, and that carries on later into the game, like, you choose how you allocate your stats, you choose how you allocate your points, and it it's it's really interesting to mess around with. So there are these powers, uh, you get, like, mutations, you get mutations, like, you can shoot fire, or you can, like, create little mushrooms you can bounce off, and they're not all effective, but they're all interesting and they're all like cool they're, they're nice to mess around with and they felt like a a reward for doing some of the side stuff that like gets you the points that you need for them uh so big thumbs up on the customization that was probably my greatest takeaway that they they nailed that it is surprisingly rpg like well it's action rpg but you know like there's there's a good amount of choice uh, so the morality uh i know i'll start the narrator so they're every every spoken word by the animals is all gibberish, right? So you walk up to a character and they'll just start like making animal noises at you. And then this narrator comes in and says, Oh, this person knew you as when you were a child. And he'll explain like what they're saying. And it's a cool concept and reminds me of something like Disco Elysium, which obviously only has the one narrator, mostly. But the tone of this narrator, man, like it's just it's just so off. He just sounds so bored and then like so uh, weirdly enthusiastic for some words. It, it, sounds, it sounds like like a sort of like a, a nature documentary. Like yeah, narrator. yeah. It's just not it's not the right decision to make for every line of dialogue. Like it, it I think that suits a different game. I think it suits something like Disco Elysium, and even Disco Elysium had like knew not to just have the one voice. Like there are different voices there. This is just the same thing, and he'll just he makes comments in combat all the time. Like you, you'll do something. You're just like, oh, bash, bam, boom, and it. And oh, jeez. In the first <laughs> well, ten that's minutes the part of the game. That, uh, yeah. Didn't that come through in one of the trailers minutes. where they're just like action pose or something like is that? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. a setting or a slider that like uh, turns the, like that frequency down or at least turns like it on. Quiet narrator yeah, versus yeah, not loud like, narrator. You, you can set it to zero, and you can set the gibberish to zero as well. But the narrator will always talk for story stuff. And he, there's a, still a lot of story stuff. Like, there's still a lot of times where you run into stuff and you say, oh, this is a thing. Um, so you can't get rid of them entirely. I think it would have been a better choice if they, like, kind of just went to the Animal Crossing method of, like, they just say the gibberish and then you just read the dialogue box of what they're saying. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think... Or the, uh, the pre... The pre... Uh, Breath of the Wild Zelda style, where you just yeah, that, read that it been and fine. They, just, they just vocalize something generic over it. Because the narrator just gets in the way, and he's just—it's an interesting concept. It really is. Like, I will give credit there, but it's—it's it's not realized at all. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it's at its worst in combat when, like I say, he's just shouting nonsense. But you can turn please, it off, please, and please I do. Please just shut up. Ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like I don't need this. I don't need to be described what I'm doing. Um, and yeah, so he's there all the time. Uh, he's arguably the most interesting thing about the story. It's just that the narrator's annoying, which is a shame. Um, and then Brian and Adam, you're going to hate this because I know you, I know you both don't like this this quality of a game. But the morality choices in this game, they're so flat. But if you play as a like a, a good guy, which I did, just I guess I'm boring. Uh, every time you talk to a character, they'll be like, "You're like the nicest person ever. I can tell by the quality of your soul. Like you're so good and light and amazing. You'll save us. You will save this world." And it happens every friggin' time you talk to someone and it's like i actually don't mind it that much usually i'm like yeah yeah i am the hero cool but this time i was like oh my god i'm gonna like i'm gonna have to go evil to shut some of these people up you know like it's so (laughs) annoying 
are, are there like any yeah. like long-term benefits like said like infamous if whether you go totally good or totally bad does it like di like directly tied to some sort of like power tree or anything there's there's a few unique powers you can get from going all light or all dark uh but to get the doesn't take a lot of time for the morality because you can just make good decisions all the time or bad decisions it takes a lot of time to get there for the number of like skill points you'll need so i didn't get them because it was just like it would have been like five more hours of my time that this game oh, frankly yeah. just didn't earn it actually yeah, kind of reminds um, me of like uh knights of the old republic where it's like if you're a good jedi you get like these awesome like healing and debuff spells if you're a bad jedi you get lightning if you want to play like anything more nuanced than that you don't get any you don't get any special powers yeah, tough yeah. luck um so there's another short-term benefit. Uh, I can't really talk to how it is if you play evil, but another big like section of the game is these tribes, and they all they all have like bases. They all have unique weapons you can earn, uh, and one of the objectives is to take over all these bases and like win over the tribes or defeat them in combat or whatever. And it's another good idea on concept it, on paper, but essentially, if you make enough good decisions you can get to like the second or third uh, base and the game will say, oh, you've been really good and you've like chose not to kill anyone. So do you want to just end this war now? Do you want to bring all the tribes together? And at the time, I even, I remember writing it down in my notes on my phone. And I was like, wow, like this feels like a really cool, like, you know, I, I made this happen. But then I was like a, a bit more cynical, maybe a couple of hours later, I was like, actually, it kind of feels like Biomutant couldn't be asked for me to even play like this part of the game because it realizes it's just like filler content. It was just the same thing over and over again. So I feel like the game realized that if you're not doing these boss fights, you know, uh, just finish it early, I guess. Uh, and here's that's... a kitty corner you can cut. Yeah, exactly. And it was it, it was just like, oh, okay, uh, I guess that's done. I, I, I could have chose not to, I guess. So, like, that criticism, I guess, is partly on me. But, you know, the option was there, and I was not willing to do these bloody base things over and over again. The game's repetitive enough. Um... And with the morality, one thing I will say, so it's crap, like it's really bad. It's like the most bland of morality systems in the world. It's act like a dick or be nice to people. And some of the options are you can you can capture an animal. So you catch these animals. I still don't know why you catch them, but you do. And it's like, kill this animal or pet this animal. And I was like, what? Oh, what? Holy shit. Only, you can only do two things with that with an animal, like in real life. You know, you can either pet it or you kill it. It, it's like infamous uh it, is infamous for its like morality decisions sometimes like people are like, oh that was really cut and dry but i would personally i'd argue otherwise i think infamous fantastic but it was better than you know kill cuddly animal or or keep cuddly animal does it, it keep yeah. that side kind of the same spirit of like it's always two it always has to be like between two extremes pretty much yeah like oh. it's there's like sometimes a bland option like a, a middle ground uh the game advertises that some of the tribes are like middle neutrality so they're like slightly good or slightly bad but when i met them they were just all bad or all good there was no like it didn't feel like there was any difference uh and then no matter what tribe you choose it'll be the same thing over and over again of going to the other tribes doing one or two where you just run in and kill some people and then the last one will be like a boss encounter and then you get a weapon and that's it like it's just repetitive over and over and over again Oh, is, 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 the, is the world interesting to explore at least like as you're going around kinda it it was at first but it's like it's it's just like this big open like how, world. how big are we talking like relatively speaking like, 
Yeah, yeah pretty big. Like, like a... Like a I, I can't think of like a good comparison. Well, no, Breath of the Wild. Are we, no, yeah, no, no I would say Breath, Breath of the Wild. Wild. Yeah, I'd say Breath of the okay. Wild. But it doesn't feel okay. satisfying to move. Like, hmm. the game feels janky. And uh, props to Adam, because he had to edit my review, and he probably heard the word janky like five million times. But it is just the, the perfect word for this game. It is... It feels like it's being held together by string. Um, I promise there were like some. There are some good factors about this game. I will get into them. Like at the moment, it's just me bashing it. But I have been holding this back for like a month now. So, um, so yeah, I guess I'll, I'll skip to the combat. Uh, it's it's good and bad. Uh, I personally probably liked it more than most people will, but it doesn't feel very responsive at all. Uh, it's basically like you're. It's, it's just like press square to attack, press triangle to do like a special move, and then you have the option to use guns as well, and then you can counter and dodge. But neither of them really work that well. Uh, so it just feels like a re- the game stranglehold comes to mind, but like really bad. So you're just kind of like flipping around, shooting guns, and sometimes you'll hit them, uh, and it's just it's just meh. It's dumb fun. Like it, it it'll get you through, but it's like it's okay. So uh, between uh, Bio Mutant and Stranglehold, which one would be what would ha- has like the better, like Gun Kata feeling? Oh, Stranglehold, definitely. Okay. All right. No, no, yeah. no thing about it because Stranglehold like did shoot. Stranglehold kind of rolls. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas Bio Mutant, it's just like, in fact, Stranglehold's probably not the best thing because that's mostly gunplay. But you know what I mean by that? Like yeah, you, you yeah. jump around a lot, um, and when such a big part of your game is combat. And the combat just doesn't feel great. It's you know, it's just it's just a shame. And I got through it. I could, I enjoyed it enough. But it it would like it's one of those things. It would never win an award for the combat. It's just passable. Uh, there like any, any interesting encounters that you found that like at least uh, you had to be creative with your approach instead of like your one fight and true. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it it seems like this is the kind of game that. It really encourages, like, you know, like you were saying earlier, like a lot of uh, character customization and freedom. But does the game structure, like, hold up to support that in creative ways? Or it just feels bland on that front? It it does kind of let you do that. So, like I said, the different combat styles, when you choose your class, they let you focus in on something. You still play the same, but the different weapons do feel a bit different. Uh, and the guns all feel quite unique. I guess the biggest strength of it would be if you really mess with the game's crafting system, which is another big positive. Actually, the crafting system's really cool. Uh, then you'd probably find it a bit more unique. So crafting works like you find individual parts for stuff, and then you craft one. You can craft like a weapon out of the individual parts, and that sounds like really generic. I realize, but they like they really do let you make pretty much anything. Like there's there's quite a lot of options for it. The crafting um, system is it like I know that I think there's like a rarity system in this game, right? The, the, the loot and everything, like there's like commons, rares, legendaries, and whatnot. Uh, with the higher rarity stuff, does that like let you be more flexible in the crafting for them? No, not really. It's more like damage numbers, stuff like okay. that. I, I never really notice a difference. Sometimes it's like a a different buff, like your weapon will be on fire. Um, but it's you know, it's not it, it the idea of crafting is cooler than it is than it is in like actuality. Um, and then, annoyingly, you it, the game has these like flashback scenes where you go to your childhood, and those are really cool. Those are actually really wholesome. 
they like really get across why you why you might care about these characters. Um, and in that prologue, you make a weapon for the first time. It teaches you the crafting system. And then later in the game, you pick up that weapon again. Uh, and it's supposed to be like, I guess it's supposed to be like a master sword moment. Like, whoa, this wrench I made when I was a kid. <laughs> it's so overpowered. I like that. that that's, that's clever. Yeah, it, like it, it's it's a cool little moment. Even I, I smiled a bit. I was like, oh, yeah, that, there's that thing I made. But of course, thinking it was just a tutorial, I literally, I just made a wrench. I just made something really crap. So it's like, wow, nice. mystical, mystical wrench. I was like, cool. Um, but really overpowered. It's reaction, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did think that when I said French. Um, oh god, I just remembered another thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it literally just came into my head then when I said that. Right. And for the life of me, I can't remember it. Oh well. Uh, I'll circle back to it. It will pop back into my head. There is there is a lot of uh, valleys and peaks with um Biomutant. But yeah, like, so, I, I still want to play this. Like just because it didn't like set the critical world on fire. Like I still kind of I'm just intrigued by it. Like I still want to get make time for it. Yeah, if I just like immediately like cut out like oh it didn't score at least eighty or whatever, it's not worth my time. And like that's that's I don't want to think like that. Like I still yeah. I still want to make my own my own opinion. Oh yeah, like I I am overbearingly negative right now, but. I did like Biomutant. Like, I still had some fun with it. It doesn't sound like it. It's just it, there. There are a lot of there are a lot of things that it tries and doesn't succeed in, or like half succeeds in. Like crafting is a is a half success in my eyes. Morality kind of sucks, but the way they present it, which is with these like little avatars of like a devil, like a devil and a, an angel, and they're like and they comment on your actions and they'll be like, ah, the light is winning. And the dark feel like, oh, it's getting dark in here, like as if he's dying or whatever. That's cool. <laughs> but there are loads of cool ideas and there is there is heart there. Like I can tell there was a lot of effort and love put into this game. There's a lot of Kingdom Hearts terminology you're throwing around light, <laughs> darkness, heart. Okay. It's just in my nature, I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it didn't it didn't live up to it. Uh the only time I would say to answer your question, Josh. The only time there was like creativity in combat, in my like necessary creativity, was in the boss fights. Um, and they're they're supposed to be these big set piece moments that let you mess around with some like the vehicles that you've unlocked. And I'll go back to that in a sec because that's another criticism. But they're supposed to be these big awesome moments. But for me, they were just moments of anxiety because when i played biomutant i had 20 crashes on the ps5 Oof. uh which is like that isn't like that is just ridiculous yeah it sounds and, like our view code came in very hot for yeah, the yeah. ps5 at least and that I, I think it is an issue with the ps5 i think it is just something to do with possibly even the way that uh backs possibility works with it it's okay i can relate man i, I played east 9 on ps5 before release <laughs> I, I know how this goes it it was it was just like it would happen all of the time it, it was probably more than 20 i just stopped counting after that long um and the boss fights like like 10 minute affairs so when i was in them i was like okay please don't crash i don't want to do this again and it happened every boss fight i'd crash every boss fight right. uh, so yeah so even though you you can be a bit creative with those they ask you to like use your vehicle wisely for this thing and like here's like a little gimmick for that section i you know i didn't get the most out of them 
because I was just worried the game would break on me. Uh, and that brings me back to, I think, one of my biggest problems with Biomutant, um, if, you, if you can't tell, I have a lot of them, is that it's so surprisingly generic and formulaic. So when I looked at this game, when I looked at this weird kung fu creature game, I was like, oh, wow, this seems like nothing I've ever played before. Or at least, like, it seems like it's just this weird thing. But it's so repetitive and it's so by the books. It reminds me of, a, like, a Ubisoft open world. Like, there's just... There's uh, radar dishes you need to do to find suits. There's, like, biome-specific... Uh, hazards that you have to get like a suit for like in Breath of the Wild, like you have to get a specific costume to be able to survive there there's just like endless bases like Far Cry or Assassin's Creed or whatever like there's just all these elements that are just like chucked in there just to make it like feel bigger I guess and it it, it just lets the game down and the worst of it with the repetition is like for those four beasts which already is like a little bit Breath of the Wild I guess you have to it start. It goes the exact same way every time. So you go over to this character, and they're like, "Oh, I'm a character from your past. Uh, I'm having trouble with this creature, but I'm trying to build this vehicle. Can you go find this part? You find the part. You go back to them, and it's like, "Oh, thanks. Do you want to try it out? You try out the thing, and it's like, okay, now get this other part for it to make it a bit better. And then it's like, okay, go fight the boss. Go fight the boss. Return. And then they're like, oh, so this person on the other side of the map, they're you know they're having a similar problem. Go find them. You go over to them." Repeat it all over again, just a slightly different vehicle and a different boss fight. And I well, you need um, I, f- I feel like you need some extent of that because like you just you just need something to like engage the player with the combat and with the like the vehicle systems. But it's all about like implementation and variety in terms of like how quickly does it wear out its welcome. Yeah, and that's the thing. If it was like mechanically sound, if it was like really fun to do i'd be fine with it I'm like yeah fine this this formula works like if i'm enjoying the game like breath of the wild for instance well, no I, I am not comparing by mutant to breath of the wild i'm not doing no, that. people are people are already upset about that with, with <laughs> water under the bridge at this point sorry okay so just... I, like you know the, the we've seen this you know with some other games in the past like say elix for example like you know a very crazy very ambitious game from the european studio and whatnot and it you know it has like a certain charm to it that people that it found its audience that people kind of like uh warmed up to after accepting its flaws they like it, it feels like the biomutant is that kind of the same scenario where you like we were mentioning earlier it's a very relatively small studio for the scope of this size of this game and i i think they just kind of overreach very ambitious and and i i want to hear your opinion george i know this kind of like kind of armchair game developer but if like you know since you played it all the way through and you engaged with pretty much all the systems, what are the systems do you think they like they should have scaled back on or maybe cut in, in favor of like other areas? Where do you think like, it seems like this game has like a potential to shine, but do you think where do you think it could have shined? Where do you think the developers could have like emphasized better on? I think the biggest thing they needed to focus in on is the combat. Uh, because it's such an important part of the game. It's such like a uh, it's like the core pillar is, is that and exploration and exploration is okay but it's like it's just very generic um so those two things they've got the right like ideas like combat and exploration are probably like the two key things for anything but neither of them feel good um 
so what I, I would have preferred if they just scaled back the world, got rid of like trimmed off all the fat. I don't I don't need Ubisoft open world stuff in my Biomutant. Like just you know, even just make it like purely story. Like make it just this smaller area, and then just go to town making that combat system feel good. Like, Do you think this would have been like cooler, like as a like a level select system, like a stage select system instead of an open world? If like it, that's that's very dependent on if they mm -hmm. like made the combat good like it's all sadly it's all ifs and if what ifs isn't it like right it, I, I you know i i wish well, it Josh was brought in the uh elex comparison earlier and that's actually that's a piranha bites open world rpg from like 2016 17 uh and it's very similar because that game has a couple of very specific strengths but its combat is not one of them. It's very like tedious and it's got like this crappy stamina system and this weird jetpack that never feels good to use. But it has like its strengths in that game specifically is in its factions. Like it's got three different like world uh, areas that are inhabited by specific groups of people. And I know this isn't an Elex discussion, but it had that one strength that kind of, if you gelled with that, it kind of carried the rest of the game. Like, yeah, mm. the combat's stiff. Yeah, the world's not that exciting, but it does this one thing really well. Is there that one thing that Biomutant does really well? If if pushed to choose the thing it does best, it I would say... Good. <laughs> now, yeah, again, I... I... I did review. I gave it a six, so like I did think okay of it, but for some reason, all my thoughts have gone venomous today. Um, it would be the customization and player choice for sure. Like they're they're pretty open. They're they're a lot of fun to mess around with. Uh, even like the gear you find, not a lot of it is repeating. Like there's some really cool like little outfits you can make. So mine was obviously like a pink and blue mass wearing bunny thing, and it just looked kind of cool. Um, and the world is has some interesting things to it so it's supposed to be like a the tale of what happens when pollution and all that sort of stuff like takes over our world and then animals rise up and they're sort of like mutated because of it like there, there's interesting elements to it but i feel like in my mind all i can remember now are like power plants and occasional like broken down buildings and cars and it just i don't think it makes the most of it uh that reminds me actually it popped into my head then of what i was trying to say earlier um that it has this weird language that it uses for like old world terminology and it's like both charming and cringe at the same time uh like they'll call trains like oh this is where the choo-choos used to go and stuff like that i can't think of any more examples but the game is full of them like it's just full of like is it like that so it's english words but they like pick another word to describe a thing yeah, yeah. So it's like a knife we turned into a stabby, that sort of. Thing. Oh, uh, you know what that reminds yeah. me of? That reminds me of like uh, this is going to be the weirdest thing that I never expected to talk about on a podcast. But it reminds me of. Uh, do you remember the Land Before Time movies? Yeah. Instead of T Rexes, they're they're sharp tooths, or instead yeah. of uh, oh my god, instead of <laughs> instead of Triceratops, they're trihorns or whatever. I was <laughs> thinking, uh, I was thinking like Little Mermaid, like descriptions of human stuff. Oh, like world. Well. Thingamabobs. Thingamabobs. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that's it. Like, again, that's that's a proven thing, you know. But I saw that someone put on Twitter, and it's like, the narrator, again, the narrator doesn't help the fact, because it just, it, it, ugh. But they're describing, like, a toilet, and they're like, this is where the, the brown brown went, like, flush. Oh, yeah. Flush it is. And I was like, oh, uh, you know, it's, if you, I 
can hear it in his voice as well. And it just makes me crazy. Animal shit. That should have been in there. <laughs> so. I, think I, just, I see what you mean by like both charming and cringe. Yeah, like okay. it's, it's unique for sure, and it's it's entertaining to see sort of things like how they describe. Oh, I know, I know what a train is. So, haha, they call it a choo choo now. So, you know, you get that little like reaction in the back of your head, but after thirty hours of boring combat and repetitive objectives, you're just like, okay, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good summary of Biomute, and I think I just. It just wore me down. It just wore me down so much. Uh, and I think Biomutant is chucking shit at a wall and seeing what sticks. And some of it is really good. Some of it is cool. Some of it's unique. And this, the aesthetic, the graphics are, you know, they're pretty good. Like the environments look really cool. The rabbits, look, the creatures look really weird. But, you know, it's unique. But then so many of the other elements of the game are just shit. They're just shit stuck to a wall, and that's such a shame. I, I, I hate saying it. I really, really wanted to come on here and say, Bite Mutant's really like, good, or like, Bite Mutant's like my favourite game so far in the year, but unfortunately, it's shit stuck to a wall. So. Yeah, it, like, it, it's interesting because this whole, the, this is like going to be a big, big, big learning experience as a first game for that studio. So, like, they really went all the way big scale, but now they kind of have a good gauge of like what what's reasonable and what's not for their project next project so mm. it's really, really interesting to see what lessons are learned from biomutant going into whatever they have next supposedly hopefully you know hopefully this I, game's like yeah. enough to keep on because you know there, there are definitely some some creative talent in that studio there's definitely ideas like you said there and i think if they take the right lessons away from this we could see something like you know much better much cooler next time around from that studio yeah and i would hate for this to be be the end of them because like like i say that there, there are, if you go of course if you go online there's different opinions but some people are really digging it most yeah. most reception i've seen has been like fairly in line with mine if not worse but you know that, that i i would encourage people to go check it out it is definitely trying stuff at least and there you know you you might really really like it there are there are people out there who don't like psychonauts i i bloody love psychonauts one of my favorite games of all time but it's you know cult classic i think rings true and i think biomutant can find an audience and I, I hope it does but weirdly it's not me weirdly it's not me this time and then uh george did write up a written review for biomutant up on the site so if you want to hear what he's just said now in a written more formal way you can go up to uh rpgsite.net i think it's the top cover at the moment or it's one of the three so give that a read through if you want to see his final thoughts on biomutant all right, before we move on to discussing some of the next games we've been playing, uh, welcome back to the podcast late, Chow Min Wu. How's it going, guys? Good morning, hey, dude. Chow. How are you? <laughs> <I'm> tired. <laughs> we're, we're, we think we're all, all stayed yeah. up late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so yeah. obviously, uh, so Chow wasn't here at the start, but we're happy to welcome him on now. Uh, Chow, what have you been playing the last seven days? Now, since you arrived late, I'm going to put you on the spot. Like, What do you want to uh, talk about? I've been playing final fantasy 14 um oh when we resubbed because i was watching some story scenes and i'm like this has got me pretty emotional you know i don't know much about these characters so i'm like well i used to have an account and i have a lot of stuff in it so i'll just resub and just start a new character from there instead of doing the free trial way 
are you going to be able to get all the way to so you're you're at like early early realm reborn stuff yeah, i'm still pretty early i just got i just got the airship pass so that's basically where i am at the game but I, I mean, I'm why, sure. did you, uh, why did you put money into it if you're still in that uh, zone where it's like a free trial right i i believe i can get to level 80 with the with the pre-order earrings oh oh they have like a the pre-order bonus that, that gives you more like experience. a boost item yeah, they give it apparently in every expansion. So in every expansion, they give you an earring that lets you speed level to to a certain level, right? And if I really fail at the game, I guess I'll just buy a buy a story skip and uh, level level skip or something, whatever that thing is called. So, so how much? So here's here's your your setup now. You got one screen screen FF14, the other is a bravely default two guide, and you're working on them simultaneously. Yeah. Well. Gotta make time for one of them, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Chow is our, our one of our guide writers up on the site and still plugging away at Bravely Default 2 because it's a surprisingly big game when you have to boil it all down. And he's done some great like artwork with the maps for that game because it doesn't have any in-game maps. So yeah. how likely do you think it is that you're going to stick with 14? Because obviously the new expansion, Endwalker, is coming out this November. You are s- several hundred at least a couple hundred hours away from that, or maybe if you maybe if you like mainline it a little less than that. But you're are you in it for the long haul, or do you not know yet? I think I will probably like I have to get through Shadowbringers. I can't. I don't think I could give you like a fair assessment if I don't drive into the meat content of the game, right? Because all the good it's stuff not, I've it's... seen is all from the latest expansions, right? But not from yeah. a Realm Reborn. Because I, I played Realm Reborn when it first launched. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'll just go back playing my uh, my other MMO. But I think at the time, it's more like a gear thing. Because in the other MMO I used to play, I was overpowered, overgeared. And I kind of missed that playing a new game, right? I do kind of get that where it's like, uh, I'm already at Endgame in this, other, in this other place that I'm invested in. And I don't want to start back at Ground Zero. But it does. Uh, it does sound like, as someone who doesn't play Final Fantasy fourteen, that like Stormblood is really where it kind of like it's like the inflection point. It seems. It seems like it's where it's really started taking off. At least that's my interpretation from the outside. A lot of people tells me it's Heaven's Ward when it picks up. There's like a really good cliffhanger at the end of a Realms Reborn, and everything just go down from there or something like that. That's I think it was one point over. It really took off, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> Oh, we can always talk about OG, but I don't think anyone here plays OG. Uh, yep, unfortunately. So while we're talking it. about uh, 14, James, you also put some time into it this week because of the uh, the last 5.55. Uh, yeah. It's like the last bridging content edition right ahead of uh, Endwalker. Yeah, there should be like a few minor patches here and there before uh, Endwalker comes out. The ma- the most major one would be 5.58 whenever that hits, which will allow for data center travel, which is a pretty big deal, actually. Because um, as it currently stands, um, if you want to play with somebody else on 14, you have to be on the same data center or you have to make an alt character for the same data center that they're on. Um, that's actually one of the main reasons I haven't played too much with Colin because uh, my main character is on the primal data center, but he's playing on the uh, crystal data center. Now, but, um, can you already transfer data centers with a fee, or is it literally not possible? It's with a fee. It's eighteen dollars. Yeah. So data center travel allows you to like temporarily transfer over to a different data center. It's probably going to take. 
a while. So it's something you're going to have to plan for because I don't think it's going to be, be as seamless as the um, server um, transfer thing, which is already in the game where you can visit a different server, a different world on the same data center. And usually that's basically instant because it's like, well, it's it's on the same data center. So it's just like it's yeah. not it, it's an IO operation. It's not a not actually something that's going to require like a lot of uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. It's going to be interesting to see how long it takes and it's going to be interesting to see the limitations because there will be limitations and I'm sure and they haven't exactly said what those limitations will be yet. I wonder if it's gonna they're gonna present it like a, a like a Domino's pizza tracker. It's like, all right, your characters like in the first stage of this, we're baking it right now. It's gonna come. It's gonna it's gonna be done like in two days. I don't think it'll be that long. But I've all, I've I haven't really played any online game where it has them so like divided like that in the first place. So even just wrapping my head around having like different data centers is kind of different. Well, uh, I guess. I have seen it where there's like North American centers and European centers, and that's kind of how they're kind of like regionally subdivided here too, right? In general, yeah. So there's three North American data centers. I believe there's two European data centers and two Japanese data centers. Um, again, I I don't play on those data centers, so I don't know. But there's there's multiple data centers for Europe and uh, Japan, I think, and they're going to be adding in a uh, an Oceania, Oceania yeah. yeah data center. So. And so of chat, course, uh, what, they only really need one for uh, Oceania. So, chat, what uh, what class are you playing? What class, what class play? I'm playing? Well, I picked the wrong city to start out with, and I picked the was it? I picked the Gladiator. I I thought it was a DPS class because in my old MMO, a Gladiator was a DPS class that uses heavy armor, but uh, in this game, it, apparently, there it leads to uh, a Paladin eventually. I think that's. That's what it was, and I'm like, no, I don't want to pay a tank. So, so I end up like re-leveling to a, a Puglis, which is supposed to go into monk class. So, cool. Well, uh, we'll have to see if we can uh, just follow you through your adventures in 14. Maybe not quite as frequently as we did back when James was doing it, but it'll be interesting to see how your thoughts evolve as you uh, go through it. Well, I I am a Final Fantasy fan at heart, so I. Got to give it a fair shake eventually, right? I mean, I played yeah, all the yeah, games. I guess you're opposite from James in that regard, because he went through having none of the background context, and oh. you went through having pretty much all of it. Wait a I, minute. I, where's, the, where's the fair shake here? Where's your FF11 account, Chow? Where's my <laughs> FF11 account? I, I, I don't know. It looks a little dated to me to play that one. I, I thought you were going to give it a fair shake. You're a Final Fantasy fan. What am I, I'm getting mixed <laughs> messages here. Oh my god! Uh, so, how many part. hundreds of hours did you spend making trails guides on Game Facts? And those games look even more dated than Eleven. Dang! No way! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, man! I, I was watching your stream playing, and I'm like, no, it's like I had to, I have to go travel without map. I mean, you saw me playing that two minutes. I was completely lost. I have the map open twenty four seven. They have they have a walkthrough. They have a level one to one hundred and nineteen or something guide, step by step. Step by step. Oh my god. So what what they're referring to? If you listened to last week's podcast, uh, James and I talked for about an hour about our foray into Final Fantasy XI, mostly as like a curiosity. But you know, out of the first week, there's genuine enjoyment out of there as well. Uh, we're not going to talk about it for an hour today because we've kind of hopefully obviously yeah. Well, it. 
it's kind of one of those things where it's like we've already introduced how the game feels to play, how it's how it's like organized. Uh, you know, a lot of those generalities that take a long time to kind of like spin up and really discuss. All we can talk about now is like our iterative each week. Yeah, give, uh, give me a status update. Where, where are you guys at now? So uh, we so when Final Fantasy XI first released in Europe and North America, it released with the first expansion, Rise of the Xylarts, kind of bundled in. So what we did last week is we we beat the base game original story as it released in Japan, which is honestly pretty thin, d- doesn't have a lot of time to really like ramp up its ideas or thoughts, and it seems kind of basic. But then now we're a few hours, maybe more, actually more like a dozen plus hours into Rise of the Xylarts, which is the first expansion. And we're, tw- we're over 20 al- hours into it. Oh, really? Time flies, Oof. I guess. But you can kind of see, like, even then, you can kind of see, like, there's a lot more cutscenes, a lot more animation, a lot more named characters. I'm really starting to get a feel for uh, Aldo of the Ten Shoto from Juno and then uh, the, the different antagonists that you get inside the Gulka, who is like, kind of like a rogue that, that kind of turns back on his hometown. Like you really start to get a feel for like what the cast of characters is where before it was so fleeting in the original game that you never really knew who was a character that would stick around or who was only present in the moment because they're an inhabitant of that city or whatever. And I want to be careful just because I say like we finished base game and we entered first expansion. The game isn't really designed like that. If we wanted to, James and I could have jumped into the fourth expansion, which is Ot Ergen, which is in the desert, I believe. Like, it's not designed in, like, a linear fashion, but we're kind of playing it through that way because, obviously, there was a little bit of that intent there, like, inherently, because that's the order they released and things like that. Um, um, one thing I will say is that we played through, I'd say, the fur a little less for me around the first third of uh, Chains of Promathia or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I decided to go back and just do Rise of Xylart first is because um, obviously Chains of Promathia was the expansion that came out after it. But as far as content in the game goes, like a lot of it's like fairly set, like a lot of it's fairly standalone, like um, Treasures of Otturgon is standalone from what I can tell. Uh, Seekers of Adeline is fairly standalone, but Chains of Promathia and Rise of the Xylart are basically direct continuations on the main game storyline up through Nation Mission 5 2. Mm-hmm. And it, like, it's even at the point where both Chains of Promathia and uh, Rise of the Xylart actually share a set of epilogue quests. So I kind of wanted to do Rise of the Xylart first just because that's like, well, if they're obviously connected to two storylines, I'd rather do the one that released first. And even if it's not necessarily required, it feels like it makes more sense to do it that way. Yeah, it's kind of like imagine a uh, I don't know, like imagine like a river delta where at the at the opening of the delta, you've got the the base game, the nation mission. So it's already fleshed out in like three branches. Then you got Rise of the Zarlart attached to it and then Promathia attached to it. And then it's sort of, it seems like it funnels its way in towards a slightly more linear progression once you get to Ad Ergan and the later expansions. Though with some caveats, like the Rhapsodies of Vanadale stuff that they added in 2015, kind of goes back to being very non-linear. It doesn't just tail onto the end of that. So I know I'm just rattling off a whole bunch of proper nouns here, but that's kind of how the game is designed. It, it's not like this tidy thing where you're like, now you're in expansion one chapter, and now you're in the expansion two chapter, or even like, the expansion to areas like the areas are multi-purposed where 
a, a, a tunnel leading from one place to another might be used in the base game and then you revisit a different part of it for a later expansion thing that was added and we kind of talked about that previously when we talked about the like level caps have been like altered over the years and you run into something where it's like i'm supposed to be here and i'm level 20 but there's level 50 enemies around or, or whatever uh, i actually kind of like it because it's it feels a bit more organic it doesn't feel more like oh i'm not in Stormblood, so I can't go to the Stormblood, you know, labeled spots. It's it seems just like this is the world that that these quests and these storylines inhabit, and certain expansions are going to have you ask the player to revisit these places and under different contexts or under different uh, objectives. But even going into Rise of the Xylar, which again is the very first expansion, there's a lot more cutscene. There's a lot more characters that are named, and I'm actually like kind of learning a lot about how the, their histories and where where it seemed like the base game didn't really touch on that at all very very little with only very few characters so you can already kind of see like i wonder where it's going to go to by the time i get to the very end like the the stuff that they're adding as of last year the voracious resurgence like how it, will that feel like relatively modern I, i'm actually thinking so just kind of looking at the uh the trajectory yeah like and I'll, I'll just say this right here the cutscenes, at least for the small bits of end, like, like more, more modern, like FF11 cutscenes in the game, like Rhapsody's of Anadale. And I, I'm sure that both uh, I and uh, Brian are thinking of the same one here. They're really good and they're better than most of the cutscenes in modern Final Fantasy 14. Which is, yeah, is I think, wild probably, to think uh, about. Ahead, ahead of the, the siren introduction. Yeah. 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 So a character kind of gets like, engulfed in a magic vortex and they're like their body is like contorting and it's like animated pretty well but then they get freed and then this, sh this character kind of gets on one knee and like readies her bow and fires like a magical arrow and it's like it's actually like it, obviously it's built on an older engine so there are limitations but this is coming from the base game where characters kind of like stand in a circle and do their base game emotes that the players can do and, and like so they just string like player emotes together to like tell the stories but now they have like custom animations and like actual model rigging so you can kind of see the jump in quality pretty immediately. Yeah. I'm hoping that Endwalker can be more like that. Uh, there's a specific cutscene or a couple of cutscenes in uh, 5.3's uh, storyline that were really, really good. And they even outright, like, everyone noticed. It's like, oh, man, this this is like a huge step up from what the cutscenes are usually like. Hopefully that's a sign for things to come because it, it's actually kind of embarrassing if 11 has better cutscenes than 14 does. It's weird. I've never, I've never played 14, but I'm like, how is that possible? It's, just, well, it's, a lot it's of so funny hearing. It's so funny hearing. I wish the next Final Fantasy 14 expansion was more like FF11. <laughs> <laughs> now, FF11, I do want to say, like, we've been talking about it pretty glowingly, but you do kind of have the right mindset. Like, the combat is still very slow and somewhat tedious and if that's something you really care about then i don't think you will be able to really enjoy this game to the fullest extent there's some you, so you kind of have to like frame yourself like this game was designed two decades ago and there's only so much that they can do to bring it up to modern standards which is why i thought the original projection for a uh, mobile game remake was kind of interesting because maybe those are the sorts of things they could have ironed out or kind of brought up but at the same time, there is like a degree of quaintness to it that I am enjoying that it's like, oh, this is this is how this is what they were able to accomplish before uh, with the limitations in place. So, yeah, you one thing have I have that in mind, I definitely say that um, 
FF11 is not a game that I would recommend sight unseen to people because I'd have to know more about what types of games they play, what type of gamer they are, and like what they can what they can handle and what um what they can act what they actually look for in an MMO because 14 is more palpable and obviously there's the free trial which means that you can play for like the first half of the current content without worrying about like spending money putting a sub in you can't do that with 11 it's i'm obviously i'm still enjoying it quite a bit but it's clear that there's a lot of rough patches and i hope that eventually they can like down the line or whatever something can happen to really deal with some of them like the server delay it's like that honestly it's just the server delay is one of the big things to me because every time you phase into a different zone it's like a good like at least five to ten seconds before you can really do anything in your inventory and it's like you're waiting for things to load in and sometimes it'll take way more than five to ten seconds for stuff to load in maybe it'll like in a city it'll take like 30 seconds before you even see the home point or something and then uh, a one one very clear indication of the server delay is when we're streaming in discord side by side and our characters are like next to each other like our when you compare like my viewpoint versus someone else's viewpoint james's we're like our character models are in two different complete, completely different positions uh and i think that always happens to some extent with online games where you kind of have to like meter the uh the client connection i don't know the technical terms but I, i'm i've seen it before in other online games but it's really bad in final fantasy 11 where on his screen he'll be eight body lengths ahead of me and on my screen our characters will be side by side which when you're running from a place it doesn't matter but in combat where there are some skills that have like positioning related elements like backstabbing or, or whatever uh it like it just seems like man this is kind of sloppy and it really could use like a, a modern interpretation of this where they didn't have to place so much constraints on how the network services worked you just wonder like man they how, how did they accomplish this back in 2000 or 2001 so that's that's one of the yeah. things that i've noticed when we share our screens yeah it's been very interesting though like just and I, and i've been talking about this internally with, with with like on like the staff chat and whatnot before but it's really fascinating how successful 11 still is because i found this um like kind of calculator that the community has come up with to kind of determine the minimum possible like revenue that's coming in from final fantasy 11 subs based off of server populations that people take at regular instances and it seems like the absolute floor is that like even now like square is making over two million dollars a year off of this game Oof. which is kind of weird crazy. thing is though is that they could have easily well i don't want to say easily but i'm surprised that the game isn't just like in auto mode like we we saw what stega is going to do with fantasy star online 2 where they're basically just putting it on auto mode where it'll have its seasonal festivals that'll just rotate through on a on a calendar basis no more planned updates and they can still like have a revenue stream from that because it'll still run through like its scratch tickets or whatever. They could have done the same with Eleven. They could have said like, "All right, we're just going to rotate through like monthly login events that will rotate through these different categories from here until we decide to kill the servers." But no, they're like, "We'll we'll do some of that, but also we're going to add stuff in 2015 and then add more stuff in 2019." Like, so it's making money for them, but they're still also investing into it to try to like keep bumping it up. So that that's I think funny. It's admirable. 
And it's funny because right as we're saying this, like just a few minutes ago, the Final Fantasy XI Twitter account detailed the June version update that comes with new story additions to the Voracious Resurgence. Man, like, will, will we be ready in time? We've, we've got two days to get to You guys story. are in the long haul as well. Yep. Yeah, I, I might like, I, obviously, I don't want to just spend the next eight podcasts just talking about Final Fantasy XI. So I will try to maybe throw in some Biomutant or throw in the, the new Final Fantasy VII Integrate stuff coming out in early June. Uh, but yeah, I do plan on, I, I at least want to see this through like to the main ending to like the Xylar and Promathia epilogue. So, and then at that point, I don't see why I would stop at that point even. So uh, it's where I'm having a good time. Uh, I hope uh, people listening to this are like, I can't believe they're talking about this. But uh, it's, I don't know, it's enjoyable if you have the right mindset. I think people should try it out. I'm actually playing the hottest, latest games, uh, unironically, this time. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, James and yeah, James and I are not playing anything <laughs> modern because we are bad for supporting the podcast. Uh, what are you up to, Josh? Uh, I guess uh, the, uh, George and I can talk about this. Uh, this uh, Knockout City game. Uh, yes! Came out, uh, I, guess, I guess a week ago or whatnot. This is uh, the new EA-published uh, competitive game that's basically you know competitive dodgeball. Its main mode is like a three versus three type of deal. Um, it's a pretty interesting game. I, I was uh, I was pretty surprised by it. It's it starts that obviously the the rules of dodgeball where there are uh, balls you can uh, pick up and throw uh, scattered throughout these like uh, rooftop maps and um, it like you don't need like precise aim you don't need it's not like a keyboard and mouse intensive game because when you pick up uh, these balls you uh, throw it at others via like a lock on system so like you charge it up and then at full charge you lock onto someone and it'll like um, throw it towards them. And each player has like two pips of health, like two hearts. And obviously, after getting hit by one of these, they'll lose a heart. Uh, and if they uh, if they get knocked out, then it's like a, a point for the other team, and it's like a first two, like ten type of deal, and whatnot. And the the interesting thing about this game is there are uh, you can actually become the ball for your teammates to throw. So like you you become like a Samus uh, morph ball. And your teammates or even enemies can pick you up to throw at others, and that that has like certain rules behind that because like if they pick you up and may they charge you up, it, instead of like the the lock on, you like become like a bomb that they throw up high into the air, and then you manually position where you want to like, uh, like fall as, as you're going down. It's kind of like um, I hate them. <laughs> kind of like Section Eight. If not, anyone, no one, no one just played that. Damn it. But I've it's kind of it. like that. Section is such a good game, but it's kind of like that. And uh, and the when you become like the bomb and you fall into someone, that'd be like an instant kill. Um, George, like you know, I'm only explaining the basic of basics, and there's more to talk about. But it's kind of the general setup. How mm. have you been finding it, George? Uh, so I'm rank sixty now. Dang! Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, I didn't know. I didn't talk about City Pro on the podcast. I I don't play many multiplayer games like i won't put the time into it just because i, I think the way we are uh, most of us is we, if we're reviewing a game we do that and then it's on to the next one like josh had a some like you had like a first year of re first half of the year of reviews um so you were moving from one game to the other so i don't really find the time for multiplayer stuff um but i'm addicted to this game i've put like oh. 
20 hours into it. I, I, I bloody love it. It is my f- favourite multiplayer game since Splatoon. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, that's, it's that's something. Crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty alluring. It, uh, it's also well at the time of this podcast, it's going to run out. But there was this like ten day free trial, so like anyone could have jumped in for free, and then and then like the full game's like ten or twenty dollars. Yeah, twenty. And so I, I might I might just pick up the the full thing because I'm pretty impressed, even though I haven't gotten much time into it. Um, well, th- th- this is I, I think the main strength of it is, uh, it's. So, when you learn the mechanics and you're messing with other players, like, as soon as you learn how to do a fake throw, like, if you click the right thumbstick in, you pretend to throw, so you're like, ah, psych! I didn't know that! I didn't yeah, know yeah, that! Yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's the winning tactic. So, basically, go up to people, do a few spins, do a few, like, front flips, side flips, like, oh, where am I gonna go, where am I gonna go? Fake throw, and they're like, ah, I'll catch it, and then they'll go to catch it, chuck it yeah, straight something, Yeah, something I didn't detail earlier is that when you're when something thro- when someone throws a ball at you, you can actually catch it, uh, instead, so you you don't get hit. So there like there'll be like this window where like you kind of uh, like uh, like do a go to the stance, and then yeah, like it's like circle that flashes for a second, and then within that like second, if the ball like it was about to hit you, you'll catch it instead. Uh, just like real dodgeball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just <laughs> well, go into a stance uh, for a, for a second in, in real life, but that, um, go for it. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that um, that's one of the major strengths of it is that it is really skill based. There is no like there are a few balls that are a bit tricky. Like you've got like a ball that will cage people, but generally it comes down to who presses stuff faster, who tricks the other player. Like it's not. There's no. Oh, this gun's overpowered. Oh, you know, this map is a bit weird. like those are just noises. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It is. You, you know, you chuck the ball, you catch the ball. It gets faster. You trick their opponent. You're still catching it. It's so exhilarating when you finally like when you're like one to one with this person and you're chucking dodgeballs at them and you're just you know like it's it's speeding up. You're like, oh, who's gonna fail this? And then they fail. It's like it's adrenaline yeah it's, so it's, good. It's, it's definitely it really tests your reactions especially when you guys are like up close next to an enemy and it becomes like that, that weird awkward moment of like are you gonna like fake throw it are you gonna throw it really slow yeah are you just yeah, yeah. To, like, are you just gonna try to flick it back the second that i throw it it's like it's all it's very mind games heavy of like mm. very intimate because it, it is definitely that that type of game that like you feel outskilled or you outskilled someone else and it feels yeah. really good when you when you're the one doing it. it's like ah oh, i'm kind of like I'm kind of I'm kind of a bit nasty in this game. I'm yeah. the best. <laughs> but know? it's yeah, it is that though, isn't it? It's like oh yeah, it's so mechanically sound. That's the thing. Yeah. Like it, it fundamentally, you know, I I think the presentation's a bit like eh, it's a bit annoying. Uh, I think the music's a bit yeah, you know, like it's very EA big. If anyone remembers that, it's right. very SSD, yeah, yeah. It's very the street. Uh, you know, it's like. It's, it's it's sort of cringe, but it's all right. It's it's not high mutant levels of cringe. Sorry, high mutant. But um, fundamentally, the mechanics are so good. It's so satisfying to play. That will carry it. And if it was free to play, I think it could be the next big thing. I think the paywall will stop some people. Personally, I think that will you know that will stop it becoming the next massive thing. But like I I went for the deluxe edition. I I love this game. I would recommend everyone to get it. I just. Don't know if many people will shell out twenty quid for a multiplayer only experience that could be free to play. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm interested to see like the what the stat drop off is once the free trial is over, like mm, by tomorrow, I think, as a time. Well, recorded. it is on. Uh, it is on Game Pass. Like I see it right now on my. Oh game yeah, Pass. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, so 
I'm not. It doesn't seem like my type of game, but I don't have any other excuse. <laughs> I can't use the yeah. cost excuse. There's also <laughs> like a, a really cool thing with the, each match uh, where there are different types of uh, uh, balls that you can pick up. Like uh, so, one is like a multi ball where after you throw one, you still have another ball in your hand, and it's like up to three, so you can just like chuck three balls at them. You, there's also um, like a moon ball where if you're holding it, yeah, your gravity is really low. And if you like chuck it at someone, they kind of like fly off really far. Yeah, um, I like yeah. it. And there's also um, a dash mechanic in this game. So you can just like kind of shove yourself into someone and then they'll be like, they'll, they'll like, you'll like kind of stagger them into the air for a second. So you can actually like set up like really sick like team attacks where someone is trying to like get someone. So in, in order for them to, the, not catch the ball the enemy to not catch the ball one of your teammates will like shove them and then and during that brief period where they're staggered you throw it at them and so it's a, a guaranteed kill right or a hit right there yeah and uh, it's a there's a lot of like teamwork going on especially if like you're kind of working with people that you know you can really set, set up a lot of uh interesting like guaranteed hits you're like oh okay i'll ambush them here or i'll get them there and I think I think the one thing that I need to like wrap my head around is the actual stage layout of the maps because sometimes like the the way the maps are designed, like you won't necessarily know if like you're going into like a, a pitfall or not. And every time you fall to your death, it's counted against you, so the other yeah. team gets a point. So you do you do get used to it. Uh, yeah, and I think it's fascinating to have like played a multiplayer game like this from the start because I I've played it every day like for like four or five hours every day like for for at least like the last week I think. Um, and seeing how the like the meta has evolved as it's gone on and people have like maybe it's just because i've been paired with people at like similar levels but those like unique balls at first they kind of feel like oh they're kind of annoying they get in the way but like they're all they all change up the game's mechanics so interestingly like the cage ball which cages you up like at first i just saw people using that as like okay then this person's a ball and you'll chuck them but then slowly you start seeing people figure out actually i can just chuck this person off a cliff because they can't get out of these cage balls so that became like a new thing oh, that's interesting new, yeah yeah. Like, yeah yeah like it's so like because that's now that i see that in every match now everyone no one uses it as ammo they just run to the nearest edge and chuck it and uh -huh. That's so fascinating to me. Actually, I, I, I have yeah. Someone has killed me like that. I thought they just missed the um, uh, the throw, but maybe they just <laughs> missed the map. Yeah, that that lines up. But I I can't wait to see where it goes. I I hope it has like a long future ahead of it. I I hope like already. I haven't been this nerdy about a multiplayer game in a long time. I was starting to think like, oh, they could do like a bowling ball that's like really heavy, but maybe it knocks you out in one hit. Like you know, I started thinking of how this game could keep going on. So yeah, it is. I remember James earlier in the year was like, oh, It Takes Two is like already one of my game near things. I think Knockout City is probably my game near so far. Wow. Yeah. I, I know. I know. Yeah. lot more time to this. Oh, wait, no. Disco Elysium. Okay. Yeah. Knockout City. <laughs> <laughs> Knockout City's second. But I, yeah, like I'm with you. I'm really interested where it goes. I'll probably go pick it up. I'm, I'm pretty impressed off the bat. I'm really glad that they allowed people to try for free. Uh, for a week, and obviously Game Pass people have it up, up there much longer. It's uh, I didn't think much of it, you know, uh, when they first unveiled it, but they've really it, it's it's hard to it's hard to really like sing praise about it until like people actually get their hands on it because we could say anything that we want, but I think it, it really the 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 dots only connect when people actually give it a go for themselves and see how it goes. I, I think yeah, with, multi with multiplayer games, it's so hard to see like how much staying power does it have? Like it's so hard to predict. Yeah. I think the really cool thing that like uh, the, my nerdy thing about it was 
when someone has you locked on in the game with a with a bond they're about to throw it it kind of it fills the screen with like a border like a a colored border to let you know hey you're being locked on and then they'll like give like a little radio fuzz off the off the off the border of the screen of like the general direction of where they are so you have a good indication of like okay they're from there and it kind of reminds me of like my my Gundam Extreme versus game uh where they actually like fill the the screen with like a like a border of the screen of like hey someone's locked onto you or looking at you and then they fire at you and it'll like flash red uh there's a similar thing in this game where like someone's about to throw it they throw it and then it'll like actually uh indicate on the border of the screen similar to gundam of uh, uh of what's happening so i was like oh okay that's an interesting like there's no way they like use gundam as like as an example for this but it's interesting to see like a common dna between them so both competitive games i play well that's kind of just like a smart ux thing where it's just like yeah is that ux uh where it's just like obviously you can't just rely entirely on the player site or we decided that we don't want to do that what what is another way we can kind of give them the spatial information using the like the heads up display that they have oh let's try this so i i think that's kind of neat that's that's clever um i also got peer pressured by some friends to go pick up earth defense force world brothers that's a really cool neat game it's kind of like a, a celebration of the entire series of all the edfs instead of going with the realistic graphics it's very it's vo- all voxel based so it has a very similar look to the 3d dot game heroes of the ps3 um it's a very cute little game there were stories about like oh this cube earth has blown up and it's like shattered to pieces so you're going to like different parts of the world like from london to japan to whatnot to reassemble the world together again piece by piece i, I think the the weird part of this game that's like it won't tr- it's it won't translate well for like uh more modern audiences who are very um sensitive to like how how certain like people around the world are portrayed because it's very st- like it, it kind of relies on stereotypes like the uh, you have this uh ninja character that you get uh where like he talks about oh uh, this mission we're trying to find ingredients for miso soup why? Because I really want miso soup. Or we go to Maidland in Akihabara, and then uh, obviously the the character that you get is like this uh, maid character. And then for and like when you're visiting China, you you recruit this character who's a dim sum sister, and she's really and she has like this uh, like flash kick or a kick move and whatnot. And like the their designs are very it's it's very stereotypical, but it's like a lighthearted fun. Like they're not really trying to um, like make a me- uh, like make a statement or anything it's just it's kind of like in the spirit of the series for better or worse um but uh like with the celebration of the series like you instead of um choosing a class and going with that class you actually have like a squad of four that you maneuver around and you recruit people to your side uh throughout the mission so there's like three usually three like fallen people throughout the mission that you rescue and then you uh, just and then after that you kill like a whole bunch of bugs um, it's a lot of good fun, uh, especially in co-op with friends. Um, it's the if people who play EDF know what to expect for the most part. Um, it's a it's a pretty solid entry to the series that I'm pretty excited to play more of. Um, I've also, I guess, well for, for the other thing, we'll we'll wait till the Monster Hunter update news uh, news, um, and then I just want to other... say for the Earth Defense Force thing, like I don't know if I'm just like completely the wrong audience for it, but when you put this on. The podcast list saying that you were going to talk about Earth Defense Force World Brothers. I had no idea this game exists or came out. Like I had oh, yeah. zero exposure to this at all. 
So mm-hmm. I don't know if that says like the marketing was thin or if it just I it's a very niche any series. common DNA. Yeah, it's a very 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 niche series for like people who know will like like latch onto it. Um, I, but you know that's that's standard affair for EDF. Like not a lot of people. <laughs> All right. No. Um, yeah, I, but obviously in the in the since you have a lot to get to, I can't really go too deep into it. Um, Scarlet Nexus demo came out for uh, PS5, Sony platforms, PS5, PS5, PS4. I tried it out last night. Uh, both uh, Yuito and Kasane. Um, it's it, it. I'm pretty impressed with uh, how the game plays. Uh, the the game supports the haptic triggers and haptic feedback on PS5, so it feels really good to actually like th- throw things with your psychic powers in that game. Like when you're um, when you press R2 to. Uh, throw something it'll actually have like a resistance not like a click resistance but like the pressure resistance so it'll like kind of give you some uh, tactile feedback as you're throwing something and it, that feels really good i'm pretty impressed with like the the cadence of combat especially with a uh, yuito uh how like you kind of throw something at something and then you go in with your sword strikes put, put them up in the air throw something and then slam them back down throw another thing it's 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 really i'm really looking forward to the full release now after this demo I was, I think that the thing that caught me off guard was the the skill tree interface. I don't know if you remember that, George, in your um, preview of the game. I do. Where, yeah. yeah, it's like it's like kind of like a weird. It's not it's not quite Path of Exile cra- crazy, but it is kind of. It feels scattered in a way that like I don't know if it yeah, makes sense yeah. yet. <laughs> so like but, there's there's bits missing. Yeah, so I'm I'll probably like speak more about it when uh, the full game comes out, but. I, I really highly recommend people to give that uh, game demo a shot, whether it's on the Xbox or um, Sony systems, and you know, you know. Uh, but uh, obviously, once again, in the since there's, we were kind of constrained on time for news, I can't really speak much more about what I've been playing. And that comes out uh, at the end of June, the full release for yeah. Scarlet Nexus. Yeah. All right. So with that out of the way, and with everyone having their chance to speak. Let's go into kind of what we had kind of hyped up at the beginning of all this and, and kind of re-brought up as we closed out the first section. Uh, obviously, before we go there, the Biomutant review we did bring up. Go ahead and give that a read. The other major feature that went up this week is uh, Alex Donaldson put up a quick, uh, I think it's like a 10-minute video for footage of Final Fantasy VII Intergrade. Just some, uh, some high-quality footage, some 4K stuff sent over from Square Enix. Just showing the battle system, showing the Yuffie gameplay. Uh, so if you're excited about that, it's only a few weeks away. Uh, go ahead and give that a look through. That's on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash RPG site net. Now on to the, uh, the big stuff, onto the big guns. Obviously, uh, as of this week, we had a whole bunch of kind of themed streamed events, which is going to be, I think, the sort of cadence going forward for at least the next month or month and a half. Uh, I kind of rattled through them at the beginning. Sonic, Monster Hunter, Dragon Quest, and even Metal Max. Uh, but let's start with, obviously, the biggest one for our site, and that is Sonic. Dragon Quest. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No, Sonic the Dark Brotherhood 2 was not announced. So, <laughs> <laughs> darn. We don't have much to talk about there. Uh, but yeah, Dragon Quest. So, uh, a couple days ago, we had the Dragon Quest 35th anniversary stream event. We kind of brought it up in passing in a previous podcast. And the reason why it was kind of extra exciting even going into it is that it was like the first 
time for this series particularly where it was kind of targeting a global audience they had kind of a japanese focus stream followed immediately by a immediately what they ended up doing is they kind of did like immediate translation not voice not a recorded voiceover but the original uh japanese footage with translation in progress i don't know if i'm describing that right uh but it was interpretation yeah so so we uh, so focus for an english audience with uh the trailers would have also like the english subtitles even though the trailers were in japanese uh so we logged on we went ahead and uh live tweeted this streaming event which was for about a half hour maybe a little longer um and they uh, they announced six projects uh they went ahead at the very start and said we are going to announce six games here now uh it ended up starting a little bit slow they first uh introduced um the mobile game keshi keshi which is like a puzzle game kind of like threes or 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 i i don't play like these uh strategy type games uh then they went through this really awkward thing i don't know why i'm going in this order this is kind of the order they did it in the show like yeah uh, it's like the, the keshi keshi is just a match three mobile game free to play coming match out three, that's the word yeah, that's uh it has like an eraser aesthetic it looks quite cute i'm kind of interested to see more about it uh actually let's work our way backwards because i want to get to the thing that's last so okay. the, that, the the big stinger at the end was an announcement for Dragon Quest Twelve: The Flames of Faith. Uh, though it was unfortunately beyond that, there wasn't a ton else to go off of. It was one of those big hyped logo reveal type announcements, which we've seen in the past. Not yeah, but so there are a few details that uh, it is announced that it's aiming for a simultaneous worldwide release, which is obviously something that's exciting for the series. The logo introduction itself is doing like this big, like fire and brimstone and kind of almost, I hate this word, edgy sort of like appearance to it. There was a little bit of a back and forth between uh, like series creative director Yuji Hori and the MC of the event talking about like, what is this game going to be like? And Yuji Hori said two key things about Dragon Quest 12. He said, uh, well, I don't know if he said this or if this was just described in the uh, presentation itself, but the the phrasing Dragon Quest for adults was used. No, which he said kinda... that literally. Oh, he did Japanese. say that. Okay. Oh, yes. uh, yeah. And then the second thing that he brought up is that they are looking at tweaking the command style battle system that we all know. They didn't say that they were eliminating it. Some people, some people immediately jumped and say like, oh, Dragon Quest is going to be an action RPG now. But no, basically they said in very vague terms, that they're looking at tweaking the system. Uh, so yeah, that's what we know about Dragon Quest Twelve. Uh, what do we think about it? There's actually a few bit, a little bit more. Um, so uh, they announced that this game is going to be made on Unreal Engine 5, and that they are actively recruiting for it, and it is early in development, so it might be a while before we see more. Yeah, um, this was, I feel like it was just way too early for a reveal at this point. This is like also Yuji Hori did go on Twitter and it was sort of like a reassurance tweet, like, don't worry, if you like turn based games, you'll be fine. So, yeah, so I guess that, so, that then kind of leads to the question if they're tweaking the command based battle system, but it's going to be turn based, what do you think that that could be? Like, maybe just some sort of like turn order alteration or some sort uh, of like there, there are different flavors that, of turn based. You have like the press turn battle system from uh, Shin Megami mm-hmm. Tensei. You have like the Bravely Default 2, the way they, they handle it. Even Bravely Default 1 has a different kind of turn based battle system than the uh, Bravely Default 2. So, it's like, you know, it'll there, there are variations of, of turn based 
that they can. That I was thinking something like FF12, <laughs> like turn based. I don't know. Getting, I, kind of like I a guess. free open, I guess. Sort like of. a cooldown MMO they, system. So that's the thing. Dragon Quest XI had "quote unquote" free movement as a as an option for their, its battle system. Like there was actually like an arena you can travel around in 3D in Dragon Quest XI as an option. Uh, some people chose that option, and like it really didn't add anything aside from like you can move your character around and that's it. But it didn't really fundamentally change up the way you played that game. Uh, maybe if they mm-hmm. add some more mechanics to it, it's like, oh yeah, if you were able to attack them from the rear or something, there's some bonus. Yeah, there could be something. maybe like a positioning element of some sort. Yeah. So you know what but, it brings to mind for me is like, and I said to someone who is not really knowledgeable on turn-based and is not knowledgeable on Dragon Quest, so maybe ignore me, but the first thing that came to my mind was how Final Fantasy thirteen did it. Didn't that make like quite big changes to how well, turn-based? That's, not, uh, that, that's that's not. I don't know. It is kind of turn-based, but it's. Very it's, it's weird. yeah, it's weird, yeah. yeah, yeah, ignore me then. But that, that's what pops in my head when I hear like, yeah, changes. the thing is, whenever you have a whenever you have this sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for, Brian, uh, abstracted battle system, you can do kind of a ton of different things in terms of how like a turn is counted, or how a move is counted, or how an action is counted, and who knows what they can do. We could speculate all day, really. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's why I said there's like there's a really horrible thing. Like I I do I'm not a big fan of how the way they revealed this game because it, there's so little to work off of that like any possibility people will throw out. There's already people t- say oh it's gonna be action now even though they clearly said like eh, it's gonna we're gonna change the 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 turn based not necessarily discarding it. But that's the that's kind of the problem with this kind of reveal and like I I'm excited for Dragon Quest Top. I want to learn more about it, but I just feel like they should have. Uh, unveiled this game the way they did the Dragon Quest Eleven, something more concrete, something more substantial than what the way they did this. Well, I remember and not even like a key 11. art or a character design or anything. Yeah, yeah. I guess the Eleven reveal was better. They showed the main character, and that was it. And you waited a couple years for more information. <laughs> I just hope we're not stuck for five years before the game's out. It's gonna become the next Elden Ring. It's got the same like fire aesthetic to it, so maybe. <laughs> oh god. But yeah, I think it's it. This is just like the Bayonetta three or the uh, or the Metroid Elder Scrolls six, yeah, or Metroid Prime four. So it's one of those things where it's like, I guess keep it on the back burner. They just really wanted the uh, the stinger uh, to have it at the big reveal at the end, even though it maybe wasn't ready. Um, I don't know. I wonder. I'm I'm not like knowledgeable enough about this, but like when they are part of this, was also is almost like a recruitment drive. Like they posted, like literally, like if you're knowledgeable with Unreal Engine, you know, we are hiring for this project, sort of things. So I I wonder if they sort of if it's advantageous for them to announce it this way so they can hire people to work on it. Oh, it it's also really awkward too because wasn't this like either the day before or the day of when uh the epic finally allowed like uh, like release that ue5 demo to it was really public. close yeah <laughs> so like I, obviously i i have to imagine they already had access to it like for months before right maybe but it's still I don't know. I, this is such. This is a game that I don't think is gonna like. We'll see another word of in like three to four years. Straight it feels up. like it. So, it, it feels like that that Starfield Elder Scrolls Six moment. Elden Ring. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All, these, all these logo games. It's like okay, I guess it, it, it's it exists. Sure. Mm-hmm. 
But you know, I, I I'm really curious to see where they take it. But this is like people have this weird mindset, especially people who haven't played Dragon Quest. Like, oh, finally, it's a Dragon Quest for adults. Dragon Quest games have had adult themes for a really yeah. long time. <laughs> a a lot of the games, I mean, one of the games, literally, somebody killed your entire family, <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, shit, mean, have you played Dragon Quest V? Yeah, yeah V is like pressingly <laughs> adult in a way. It's like, like they have dark themes. I guess they just want to say it's like probably the artwork and people are trying to get this impression that it's more made for a younger audience, I guess. I don't know. And I'm I'm a I'm like a casual Dragon Quest fan. I feel like an imposter in this room. Uh, I did play and love Eleven, and that's the only one I've been able to get to so far. But even that game, going from like Act Two, uh, the ending there was really kind of like somber and very poignant. Like even even not even adult like oh yeah you know people like die sure. or whatever. But like yeah, but blood. like even like in the emotionally dark or the emotionally like resonant there, it was just like like. I don't know, like why? Why you feel you have to market like we're moving beyond that to something different, adult in a different way? It's just like I, I hope. I don't know. I, I feel like I, I would be more com- competent in this if they, if that statement was kind of avoided. Adjusting the command system, sure. There's a lot we talked about. There's lots of ways they can kind of change it up while keeping the the core intact. But I, just what sort of story is this going to tell? But this again goes back to that they showed they showed so little that we can take one statement and just kind of run with it as far as we want uh it's probably just best just like simmer down just give it a few years to incubate and then come back to it because everything everything at this point is just in speculation so dragon quest 12 it exists they said so yeah it exists they told us that we have a logo now, this was potentially the even more exciting announcement, maybe the even more surprising one of the show, because I think we all kind of went in expecting, what if we get our first glimpse of Dragon Quest Twelve? What we kind of went in and didn't expect was that we got the announcement of Dragon Quest Three HD 2D Remake. And the, the key term there is HD 2D, which is Square Enix's internal name for the engine stylings that was introduced with Octopath Traveler and followed up with with Project Triangle Strategy. So we are so to put it uh, plainly, a Dragon Quest three remake in the Octopath Traveler engine, quote unquote, was announced. And like this is something that looked beautiful. It, it looks really refined compared to like how Octopath Traveler did back in 2018. Uh, and Dragon Quest three, which I haven't played, but I've heard is like a kind of like a, a landmark entry for the series. Uh, so this kind of really blew up on social media as like, wow, finally, like Square Enix is making because when the when Octopath Traveler first came out, it was like, I want to see Final Fantasy VI in this engine. I want to see Chrono Trigger in this engine. Uh, but nope, the first one we get from that style is Dragon Quest Three. That's a big, 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 big fan favorite in Japan. So it makes a lot of sense. I also I think, think it makes a lot a... of sense because it's directly linked to Eleven. So I feel like it makes sense to go with a free remake. So um, I know we have like actually a post on our site from a, a Japanese poll from 2017 about like what's their favorite RPG. I think Persona 5 won because it had just released not too long ago then. But like Dragon Quest 3, about 30 years old at that point, was number two. Like it is super popular in Japan even now. Like it's one of those, it's Dragon Quest in general, but it seems like especially 3 is one of those types of games where everyone 
in a you know quote everyone has played it even if they're not like they don't play video games like oh yeah even i've played dragon quest 3 um you know it just it's like a phenomenon but before we get too deep into this they did also mention that they are planning this to have a worldwide simultaneous release similar to 12 so we talk about how it's super popular in japan but they are also like it's not going to be that it's made for them it's being made for you know for with a global audience in mind so that's also obviously really exciting yeah and this is this is really cool also because the the way they kind of frame the trailer um obviously yeah we got like those some slow walking shots that like really show off like the the visuals of the game but they showed off like the battle screen as well, and I think the one of the interesting things about the battle, the battles in, in this game is that they have this uh, this lineup uh, of your characters in the in the line. But when you actually select like the attack command, it'll like tilt shift, shift itself into like a first person perspective, and then show the like, oh, you're casting a fireball or, or you're doing a sword slash, and that's that's all done all in first person. Those uh, attack effects, so it's an interesting way to. To kind of evoke that classic Dragon Quest feel uh, that a lot of people have fallen in love with, and the lineup uh, stylings, Adam compared to Golden Sun. Yeah, uh, it's so kind of kinda... funny. It's, it's reminiscent of Golden Sun, even though yeah. like Golden Sun has nothing to do with any of this. It just sort of looks <laughs> yeah, like that, Golden it's just Sun. a camera angle. It's just a way. Yeah, but it's like a camera angle that is very evocative of Golden yes. Sun, and not many games have done it. So, yeah. Um, I, did, I did see some people kind of be like a little bit cynical and they're like, did you know Octopath Traveler is just an Unreal Engine 4? That, that's what you mean when you say that engine. But I'm like, come on. Like, uh, there's a very specific style that's uh, like, you know, sure, it is on the Unreal Engine 4, but there, there's a very specific subset of games that have been using this engine now. Uh, right. Like, I, I'm using the word engine to carry engine and art style implementation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to yeah. like just have that list of caveats. It's it's built to look like Octopath Traveler, and I do know that uh, Octopath Traveler did get some criticism, and even Project Triangle Strategy when I previewed it back in March, that it kind of does a lot of post processing that I don't think benefits the game terribly in terms of like bloom and like depth of field effects. Mm-hmm. From what we can tell from our short trailer here, it seems like it might have been pared back a bit. It's a little hard to, to judge with so little footage. But it, it looks really clean. It looks really nice. Like even yeah, I they keep they're they're pretty... refining the look. Yeah. I think trying to you know avoid some of that. Like the octopath, octopath had like that. I don't even know what you call it. Like that fog window depth of field thing. That like the big like, netting or whatever you call it. Yeah, yeah, that seems like they're they're easing up on that. Yeah, the so was they're refining a little bit it too much. Yeah, and I guess to, since we're on that, uh, the developers on this is Amada KK and Team Asano, so the Bravely Default too developers are working on this um there's an interesting thing of like why is there a spike chunsoft logo uh, in the in the trailer because chunsoft developed the original dragon quest 3 game that's why yep. <laughs> they also uh during the stream event yuji hori kind of coyly suggested about the possible re-release of dragon quest 1 and 2 in a similar style and they really played it up like are you allowed to say that uh, and i don't know they had like a horn that was supposed to be like a like a bleep sensor like they kept horning hori when he was uh talking too much it was, it was kind yeah. of jokey so they were really playing into it like it's not I an mean, announcement but suggestion it, it's as close to an announcement as we'll get considering they they were really hardcore on not and making sure that they didn't share any of the platforms for dragon quest uh 12 
So any, the, the, there were not really any platforms announced for pretty much anything. Yeah, um, unfortunately, like like we know it'll go to a home console, but or home mm-hmm. consoles, but that's it. Xbox exclusive. You might oh. see it on Game Pass because they've been kind of pushing for like with the Dragon Quest builders and stuff like that. But yeah, that, uh, that would be a really I, weird thing to see. I mean, imagine a Dragon Quest game being Xbox exclusive. I mean, I mean, that's I, really I, happen, I, I, I don't see it being on Xbox, but I, I could see, I could see them pushing for uh, instead of getting it like on Switch later or then on like the weird. The, the, we kind of had this weird tiered rollout with Dragon Quest Eleven. We had the initial release. Well, we had the 3DS release with along with the initial release. I hope I get the order right. Like, did the 3DS release on, release alongside the the base game in Japan? Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. The yeah, 3DS release really has a little bit more content in a weird way back also, when it first came out. Yeah. Also, there was a uh, limited edition that allowed you to get both the 3DS and PS4 version at the same time, which is uh, actually kind of crazy when you think about it, because they had to get um, they had to get permission from both Sony and Nintendo to. Um, sell games for um, the different console in the same box. That's crazy. But yeah, we'll, 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 in 2024, we'll see Dragon Quest 12, and then in 2026, we'll see Dragon Quest 12X. It's X. Because I guess, uh, yeah. <laughs> while, before we completely hop up that Dragon Quest 12, I think I, I, we didn't mention also that uh, Hori did mention that him, Toriyama, and Sugiyama are working on it. So uh, for better or so, so yay, yay, boo. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, Sugiyama's still on it, unfortunately. But, you know, that's it is what it is. Yeah, still going to have, the, apparently, that Toriyama-baked art style and not move on from that like some op-ed suggested they should. So, just too uh, much to me, uh, thank Quest goodness. Is, no, it's like, you know, if you don't have Toriyama working on Dragon Quest, it's like, is it even Dragon Quest anymore? You get, like, a different art style, and it's like, I don't know. It's I think they... It's been too many years as part of the franchise. Yeah, I don't want to say like they're not allowed to move on from that, but if if they're considering that, then at that point, is what you're what you're creating could it just be its own thing? So yeah. So the third major global announcement from this Dragon Quest 35th anniversary event was the announcement of Dragon Quest Treasures. Now, this one we actually kind of knew about going in in a in a weird fashion. We had originally gotten some teased artwork about an upcoming Dragon Quest Monsters project that we we had just some uh, some artwork of a child Eric and Mia from Dragon Quest Eleven, uh, and that's kind of all we had for years was just kind of like this one tease that this Monsters project was in the works. And now we get this uh, one-minute trailer showing the same game that was in production, only now it is under its new like sub-label, Dragon Quest Treasures. With the additional footnote that they did also mention that a Dragon Quest Monsters title, like, like in that series formally, is still like on the table and in the works. So it kind of, this is kind of like in spin-off of spin-off mode. So I think it looks really cute. I think it looks kind of like we we probably got the most footage from this game out of all the uh, out of those three major projects. Uh, Adam, I don't know if you have a big opinion on this. What do you think about what we saw from the newly announced Dragon Quest Treasures? He went out of his way to say that this is not a monsters game. It's yeah, it's not a traditional RPG, but it's still an RPG. And all he said was like treasure hunting and Eric and Mia's childhood. 
So I don't know if it's going to be more like a loot game, like a dungeon crawler. Uh, yeah, you know, sort of some sort of also, spin-off RPG. Yeah, also targeting a worldwide simultaneous launch. So at least for the at least for these three games, it's cool that that has been a common trend during all these announcements. Even though we don't have details on release windows or platforms, or much of anything, the plan is to have these launched globally, all three of these projects. And now I guess we get to the uh, that was the back half of the presentation. So it ended strongly. The first half of the presentation was a bit uh, different. We already talked about the Keshi Keshi puzzle game, which looked cute and fun. Uh, and then this was the oddest part of the global showing. We ended up getting a montage trailer for the online RPG Dragon Quest X, which when that first started playing footage, obviously there was kind of like a lot of hype. Uh, James and I were actually kind of in uh, a chat room kind of watching over it. And we actually allowed ourselves to get a little bit excited for a very brief period of time. But then it kind of felt weird as this montage trailer kept going through the recent updates to Dragon Quest X. It moved into version 5, the newly uh, announced or the newly released 5.5, and then teasing version 6. These are basically like their major chapters. Uh, all in Japanese for a Japanese audience, followed by a footnote in the thumbnail saying there are no plans for a worldwide release. So this was Ouch. kind of a bit of an unforced error where this is a globally focused stream, spending time talking about this 10-year-old game at this point that obviously is still getting a lot of support in Japan. Potentially the option to maybe, like we've seen it before come out, we've seen like Fantasy Star Online 2 uh, arrive in English eight years after launch. So it's not like the precedent's not there from, from, you know, from a different studio. But nope, there, there were no, no plans for Dragon Quest X. It was just marketing for the new stuff for we people have, who are already to playing it. Good old Phil to, to go announce it at the, the Microsoft E3, <laughs> yeah. obviously. So. But yeah, it was it was kind of a weird, it's kind of a low light, but not like not like maliciously so, just like, I don't know why they showed it. Uh, well, maybe I know a little bit and that kind of well, goes Well, here's basically the, uh, how I see it. It's, I'm not saying this is what happened, but basically Square Enix envisioned this as this is a Japanese-only stream but we're going to include pieces of it for an international audience, not implying they didn't mean to imply that all of it was international. Now, should that, is that the way they should have done it? Probably not, but that's how they were thinking. Like it's a Japanese stream with pieces of it for an international audience. So. And then to this kind of, I mean, I know we're kind of rattling through these announcements kind of quick, but this, this, this kind of has to be bookended right onto that. Following that weird montage of Dragon Quest X's newest updates, we got a follow-up for Dragon Quest X Offline, which I think that title kind of belies what we saw a bit. It's like it showed like a, a game with a very different art style with like the deformed kind of chibi look going through some of the events that I had just seen in the montage preceding it. And Again, this montage for Dragon Quest X Offline did not specifically say that it was intended for a worldwide audience, but unlike the Dragon Quest X showing, it did not specifically say that there were no plans. So I hope that was clear that so, we have this announcement of Dragon Quest X that might be used as a launching point to somehow introduce that game in a particular fashion for a I'm global gonna... audience. 
I'm just going to say this right here. If this is the only way that we get Dragon Quest X in the West, I will be incredibly disappointed. Like, I mean, like not even... It's looking and, likely. And, <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, I can understand saying, well, at least we get it in some way, but no, it's, we aren't. This isn't Dragon Quest X. It's an entirely different game that they're calling Dragon Quest X offline when it's... I wouldn't know. I haven't played the, at both games, so... Well, it's it's offline you can, reason, you can right? literally I... look at the trailer and you can tell it's not the same game. It's literally uh, uh, an entirely different game. I, it might have the same story beats, though, so... But the art style is different. I would play it offline. Come on. Like, the art style's different. The gameplay's looking like it. Well, the gameplay's obvious, obviously different. There's no guarantee the story will be completely the same. Like, I, I understand I, I, that they so, don't want to release another MMO over here, but I feel it just... You I, know what? Like, I, I, think I can only speak for myself. I can only speak for myself, yeah. but... I would rather them not bring anything Dragon Quest X over rather than give us diet uh, Dragon Quest X because to me that feels like just rubbing salt in the wounds. I think that's a that 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 take feels a little bit extreme to me, but that's just me. I, I'm thinking this still like I'm thinking about like wider audience people of like I think if this is like the the version of Dragon Quest X that gets released here, that'll appeal to a lot of Dragon Quest players because Dragon Quest players like single player RPGs and. You know, maybe uh, like going into an MMO for another Dragon Quest game is not a a really you know alluring offer for a, a lot of that uh, that fan base. You know, so I can see, I can see it, I can I, see it. I, I, I'm going to try it. You know, I know it's like a dumbed down version of it, but hey, you know, not everyone's committed. And, to playing I mean, MMO. Okay, uh, that's the thing. We don't know if it's a dumbed down version or not. Like this is just like it might have people. Might just want to see the Dragon Quest X story, but don't want to like engage with an MMO or pay for an MMO or whatever. No, I, I'm not story. saying it's I'm not saying it's dumbed down. I'm just saying, and this really shouldn't be controversial based off of what we've already seen. It's not the same game. It's not Dragon Quest X. It's a different game that has bits and pieces of the Dragon Quest X experience. I don't, I don't know how you can get bits and pieces off of that trailer without knowing the story, like the story of Dragon Quest X. You might it might have like. All like the big content beats of Dragon Quest X in it. I have no idea because I haven't played that game. I haven't played this game, so I, I I don't really know like what's controversial about saying I don't know. You know, it could be it could be something cool. It's um, it um, can be something cool. It's just again, look. I I know you're trying to you're trying to play devil's advocate, but you can look at the trailer and tell that it's just not the same experience. But I'm not really I'm just gonna, playing devil's advocate. I'm just going to ask, um, does anyone remember the Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition? Did anyone go through that? And uh, no, I didn't. Like, you know, no, but I, I, I understand immediately. Like, why are you bringing that up? Like, is that the same game? <laughs> but like, but is like, that... base Final Fantasy 15 wasn't an MMO, so I, it's yeah, kind I of a mean... weird comparison. I'm just thinking that like. People who don't want to play an MMO but still want to like see the Dragon Quest X story for themselves after like hearing maybe praise from people who they know who play it or the Japanese audience, and but they're like, oh, I don't really want to play an MMO to like see it. Like this might be a cool thing, you know? I don't know, it, but well, I, I, think, I, I think a like lot of this. I feel weird. like I should stress that I don't think that the existence of Dragon Quest X offline is a bad thing. All I'm saying is, is that if it's used as an excuse so that we never get the MMO, I would be incredibly disappointed because it's not the same experience. And that's something that you can't say isn't true, even just looking at the trailer. It's going to be a different type of game. It could be it could be very good. It probably will be good. I'm just saying that it's not going to be Dragon Quest X. It's dry. It's 
something else. What were we going to say, Adam? What I was going to say was just part of this sort of kind of boils down to like, even if the storyline in Dragon Quest X and Dragon Quest X offline is exactly the same, if that's the main thing you care about is the storyline, then it's a pretty good substitute because the story is identical. But if you are really big into like the gameplay mechanics, the presentation and the style of it, you know, as it, video games are multifaceted, complex things, and that's going to be completely different. So, you know, James has thought like the experience will be different. But to some people, maybe that storyline element, if it's a close enough representation, as long as that itself, the storyline well, even... is equivalent, then that might be all that matters to well, them. Well, even that's a bit of a flaw to comparison, considering how the presentation will tie into the way the story is presented. So. Uh, we're just we're very much arguing in circles here. It's a non-starter. Yeah, I guess, and I guess I do want to also clarify that this game has not been announced to have an English release. Like right. the only thing that we're the only thing that we're kind of basing this off is the absence of that statement from the the ten trailer, where it literally kind of threw out there no plans. Yeah. So it's this is like no no. This is like the double negative. There are no statements saying no plans, sort of thing. Uh, I just yeah, hope it's I, I, cool and it's localized. That's all. That's all I want. I know it's crazy. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do see where James is uh, coming from, especially when you when Josh had mentioned like, "What if I don't want to play an MMO?" Or here, it's like you don't have a choice uh, unless I guess you always have the choice to learn Japanese, right? <laughs> but uh, oh, then, yeah. then, then, um, then then go do it. Then, then for the people who want the MMO that might not come over, then go learn Japanese and go sub over there. I don't know. <laughs> I'll do it. Actually, all right. I mean, it. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm. Look, if they, I just want them to confirm whether, like, I know they're saying, no, there's no plans, but if they're, if they're, if they never intend to bring the MMO over, just, just fucking say it so I can bother to get I a feel sub. Like they set already up. said it with that nor planned for, for worldwide release. That, that, I feel like that, that's there's a difference. There, there's a difference between no plans and we are not going to do it. I, I understand why, because it's, we're never going to operate they, say they're not going to do it. <laughs> If they're always going to leave that, that door cracked open. Right. Yeah, I think they they're, should. Though I think like, in, be, well, if they if they if they about to localize that MMO, I would definitely give that a, a try. You know, because I'm interested enough in it, and I've heard people say enough good things about it to make me want to try it. I'm not opposed to the idea, but I'm saying that it, this is probably the that this Dragon Quest Ten offline alternative option is probably the one that makes the most sense business wise if they want to keep just one big MMO in the West. Which is FF14? Because if you introduce Dragon Quest X, the MMO to the West, that'll divide up that big player base for sure. I will say this: that I think that having any option at all, especially to experience at least the story, is better than none. Like if you remember Final Fantasy XV, when they had to like cancel the last couple of DLC things, they still released that book, and the book obviously wasn't what people wanted. It wasn't like exactly right but it was better than all those concepts and ideas never appearing right so like for my money even though i'm not really a dragon quest guy it's better to have it in any form than none at all and, and then think about like moving forward like when you're like archiving this tale because you know all mmos don't last forever so unless for final fantasy 11 <laughs> <laughs> we'll see but you know, but one day Dragon Quest Ten, the MMO, will close. So what happens to that content then? You know, it just one thing to kind of wrap up this Dragon Quest talk. Uh, 
as you can kind of see as like a through line for all of these is that there's very little in the way of release windows for any of these. The couple of exceptions are that the Keshi Keshi puzzle game will release in Japan this year. A Western release is in the works. Um, and then Dragon Quest X Offline is planned to release in Japan next year in 2022. As far as I can tell, those are the only real dates of any sort that we got. Yep. Well, also, uh, before I move on, there was a, one other thing that was not mentioned in the like the English-facing presentation, but in the uh, just ahead of it, we did get a little bit, this is to Josh's dismay, <laughs> of a peek at the upcoming uh, Dragon, Quest, Dragon Quest Infinity Strash, The Adventures of Die. Or actually, I guess it's, it's Infinity Strash, Dragon, Dragon, Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, Infinity Strash, Dragon Quest, The Adventures of Die. This is an action RPG that was announced last year uh, following that classic manga that now has a recurring, uh, a rerunning anime today uh still no announcement of an english version of the game we got a bunch of new screenshots i guess uh josh you're the one that can most talk to what you've seen here because i know that you've been keeping up to date with the uh current version of the anime yeah the, the, the new current anime is really freaking good and i wish more people would give it a shot but you know maybe it's when it's done uh this is interesting because the 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 screenshots that really used to know it's, uh, some of them depicted like uh, scenes from the what goes on in that show and the manga but the, there's one gameplay screenshot that uh, they released that had like a party of three and uh die pop and avon uh characters from the, from the series and but the the ui and the look of it is very evocative of that trials of mana remake and i, I really wonder if they're uh if the trials of mana remake team or at least parts of that team are as working on this game because it's so similar like ui wise and look wise even even having that party of three like in Trials of Mana, uh, so I'm interested to see more of it in motion. Obviously, the the they couldn't show up more something more substantial. There's like a producer's letter saying, you know, we're still working on it. Uh, here's a few screenshots right now, but we're there's definitely still working hard on it. Um, I I really wonder what the scope of this game is as well because in the in the in the initial trailer. Uh, events that happen well, well late into that current into the current series, like it showed there, and then this uh, and then this screenshot supposedly is like from early on in the series. So I wonder if they're gonna try to fit the entire adventure of Die storyline into this game because it it is a very beefy like story. So I I was hoping just like I hope they don't like cut it off like at some end point like halfway through the story and whatnot. Um. But I'm really looking forward to see more of it. There's really not much more to say, but it, and it leaves me a lot of questions. And if the Trials of Mana remake team is working on this, I'm even more excited uh, because that that was a pretty good remake. Uh, the the way it uh, played. As far as I can tell, this game will come out. No 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 English release announced. Uh, planned to come out in Japan in this year, but there are no platforms announced. Uh, is that the case, Adam? I think so. Yeah, they just said yes. it's like a for console, but uh, they never announced specific platforms for this. So who knows? Well, I remember it's, when this game was a, announced back game. in uh, when it was announced in May last year. I remember I was pretty excited for it. I, I thought it looked really neat. It's, they have some really good music that I'm pretty sure is from a new composer, which is always yeah. a, a yeah. good thing. Yeah, it's not so good. Uh, it's, I think uh, Yuki Hayashi is working on this. I think yeah, he's so, also working this, on the TV anime also. Yeah, so I, I, I'm bummed that we got three like announcements of simultaneous releases but then not even anything here like even a delayed release here i think would have been cool to to announce 
maybe like as that anime it's not even like got an english announcement as far as i know so i don't know if they just feel like the die branding won't carry here but it's, it's, even it's subtitled well, in english so i mean they, they do subtitles in english when it, when it airs in japan i don't know if they have like a dub in the in the works for it or whatnot i haven't heard, heard of that but and and well, we're also, also getting... square enix yeah. announced you're you're gonna say the same thing yeah. the mobile game yeah so and, what's what go ahead what's the mobile game announcement so the 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 adventure of die has a mobile game uh in development and that seems to be like a simultaneous worldwide release for that game so that's like it even had like an english closed beta like a few months ago i think oh yeah i remember talking about that so i mean that there is there is a little glimmer of hope here and hopefully even if it doesn't come out to the west somehow uh i'll still import the japanese release because i enjoy it so much yeah, lots of Dragon Quest in our future. Even though it seems like it's a bit in the far future for now. Uh, maybe that puzzle game will be surprisingly good. We'll see. Hey, Master 3 is hype. So, unfortunately, kind of playing second billing to the Dragon Quest uh, Deluge of Announcements. Earlier this uh, week, we did also have a 30th anniversary stream for the Metal Max series which we got a few announcements out to talk about. And I'm going to be leaning on Adam here because I have not played any of these. The, the first announcement is Metal Max Xeno Reborn is coming west for PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC next year. So Metal Max Xeno released in 2018 for those same consoles. Well, at least for, for PlayStation 4. Uh, and now we're getting kind of a, is it a remake? Uh, or reimagining on, for where they're adding in the Switch and the PC version with Metal Max Xeno Reborn. So Metal Max Xeno was a PlayStation 4 RPG. I think it's it's sort of like Metal Max 5, but they just didn't call it 5, I believe. Um, it came out in 2018 for PlayStation 4. It was localized by NAS America. It's honestly not a great game. It I, The only thing I'll give it is that it has some somewhat nifty tank customization. So the whole thing with Metal Max is that uh, you are kind of, you. It's kind of like a standard JRPG, but there's also some sort of element where you're creating a tank, like a literal tank with treads and a cannon and whatnot, and weaponry. And you sometimes do battles with these tanks. And there is some decent customization there, but the rest of the game is honestly pretty mediocre overall. Now they announced that they're basically remaking the game in a new engine, but it's not really like a reimagining or whatever. It seems like it's pretty much the same game same structure things are in the same spots you know everything works the same way just in a new engine so that's rip that's why they call it metal max Xeno reborn it came out in japan last year and it's getting a localization next year um by p cube actually which is slightly interesting localized by nas america but p cube is doing this new release for it i you know I know they changed a few things. I don't know if it's going to be enough to make the game better than average, but it's coming out. I guess you can try it. I know you could try it. You can try it. I want to hear back the comparison between the two. And then tailing off from the announcement of a localization of Metal Max Xeno Reborn, the sequel to the game is now titled. Metal Max Wild West. It was initially revealed as Metal Max Xeno Reborn 2 for Japan, uh, but this will release in 2022 for Japan. 
So the game is also, it's got this new engine remaster of sorts. Uh, we've also got more details of the upcoming sequel, which will also release for PlayStation 4 and Switch. Though it seems like an English localization for the sequel has yet to be announced. And they yeah, didn't, they actually didn't really even reveal that much about the sequel other than like the title and like a few really quick screen grabs, but otherwise we really don't know much about it other than that it is a sequel to Metal Max Xeno. So same characters, storyline continuing, things like that. I don't know that I, from the screenshot I saw some 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 guy has like an orange fur coat going on. <laughs> that's that that's kind of neat. I think the the like the kind of the the general setting is it's like a it's like a post apocalyptic like western town going on there. And you're like in a saloon of some sorts. I don't know. It's kind of yeah, all over. Uh, the, that's actually pretty common to some of the games. At least the ones I played. It is a, a mix of post apocalyptic and wild west so that's it's actually not like it's not uncharted territory for the series yeah so. and then as a third announcement on this metal max 30th anniversary stream uh we got a name for the what was previously known as project wolf which we talked about on an earlier podcast maybe two months ago three months ago uh project wolf is now metal saga Hanyaka no Rokua. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but it is. This is the um, the kind of the sub series that is underneath a different publisher. It's being developed and published by Success. So, Adam, tell me about what do we know about Metal Saga from this, so this, this new game is title by far more interesting. This game is by far more interesting to me. I agree because I've so Metal Saga, like you said, it's it's still part of like the Metal Max series broadly, but right, the Metal Saga name is the name used by so Metal Max is Katakawa, and the developer of Xeno, for instance, is Cattle Call, but you know, it's whoever Katakawa basically hires to develop the games for them. Uh, because Katakawa owns the Metal Max IP like name. Metal Saga, it's kind of an awkward situation where it's kind of the same franchise, but the Metal Saga name is owned and developed by success. And there's been a handful of Metal Saga games. The only one that we received was the first, which is on PlayStation 2, I believe it was the first, called Metal Saga in the West. And that game, it's one of those games that it's got a very unique style to it. It actually... Intentionally or not, it is somewhat like a Square Enix saga game where it's sort of you're sort of set on a world like an open world with not a big story like premise or push where it really just kind of just sets you here and like go explore, go find stuff, go trip, you know, kind of stumble into these different story events that happen as you kind of, you know, wander into them. And it's got a really cool style to it. It is very much like a Western theme in, in places as well as a post-apocalyptic. And it's it's kind of a neat game. It didn't like technically, it didn't really review very well because it is very weird. It's very different from like a traditional yeah, Japanese like a game. game. Well, yeah, yeah say, like, exactly. Before. <laughs> um, so you can maybe see why I had some affinity with it. Uh, I've heard that some of the soccer games that came out after that, I think there was maybe a few on DS that we never got. I might be wrong. I'm not, I'm not looking it up in front of me here. But I heard that those weren't as good or weren't as interesting. So we'll see. But um, I'm interested to see what this newest Metal Saga game will be like. If it can channel any of that style from the PlayStation 2 Metal Saga game, I'm interested. I forgot. Those, the, the PS2 game they got, was that turn-based? Yeah, 
Yeah, okay. I was like, yeah. when, I, when I look at the description for this new one, they're, like they're they're calling it like live battles. Like uh, there's like mm. seamless transition too. Uh, uh, they uh, there's like a seamless transition from the series traditional command based battles. So maybe they're going for more well, action. To be clear, like the 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 combat system in Metal Saga on PS2, you know, I could take it or leave it. It's, it's more like the structural open. Yeah. You know, go whatever, go wherever, do whatever sort of style to it that I really appreciate it. So they can keep that in some sense. You know, that's that's the main thing that matters to me. And hopefully, the character interactions and the story bits to it are a bit more interesting than what's in Metal Max Xeno. It's you know being developed by a different team, so you know who knows. But I, I don't know how you know, Metal Max Xeno like fared in terms of like adversary. Was it like was it like self serious? Because I remember Metal Saga being very whimsical. Yeah, Metal Saga is or Metal Saga is very silly in times. It's literally mm-hmm. like you can fight these like haunted. So in Metal Saga, there's this one point in the game where you're like are into like in an abandoned warehouse and you're fighting these like haunted refrigerators. Yeah, that's pretty. Good. That's your enemy. You're fighting yeah. these refrigerators that are haunted and they're attacking you. Um, literally refrigerators. You're not mishearing me. And <laughs> then there's also there's also other enemies that are like they're like they're like they're like walking turrets. And the legs that the turrets are walking on, they're like, uh, I don't know, the best way to put this is maybe like they're like scandalous fishnet stocking legs in high heels. Oh, yeah, yeah. With okay. turrets. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's just like really silly enemy designs. So like, not like a metal leg, but like a flesh woman's leg with fishnet stockings and high heels with a turret on top. And there's just, it's just really silly, goofy stuff like that. But there's a lot of like charm and whimsy and kind of even heart to some of the character interactions in the game and metal max xeno is kind of like out of the edge okay i never i never touched metal max xeno so i didn't know what so bluntly speaking metal max xeno there's basically two story impetuses one let's have sex okay two let's kill the demons all right those are all the motivations let's have sex and let's kill the demons i can't just do the reborn game then (laughs) and it's, it's it's pretty much as blunt as that too so I'm hoping Metal Saga is just a little bit more whimsy, you know, creative, weird. I'll take it. But it'll probably be Metal a while for adults. at all if we get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, to, to summarize a little bit, just to make sure that we didn't, didn't the the details didn't get lost in the weeds. Um, so the Metal Max Xeno Reborn is already out in Japan as of late last year. It was announced for an English release next year. The Project Wolf is now a new Metal Saga game with that new title that I didn't pronounce right earlier. Uh, not announced for an English localization. And then the Metal Max Xeno 2 sequel is also not announced for a localization. But and that, and that seems like it's Metal like Max Wild West. Yeah. Uh, I guess there is a footnote here for the Metal Saga game that it was noted that we'll su- it will support more languages other than Japanese, but it doesn't specify beyond that generic mm-hmm. statement so all right this is one uh stream event that i didn't even bring up at the start and i think uh george will be excited that we put this on here uh is that we got an announcement earlier about a new state of play from sony uh Woo! covering horizon forbidden west showing 15 oh, minutes woo. of gameplay yeah Normalized so... fighting game supers in your uh, third person action games <laughs> yes it looks so good yeah, it's I've seen a lot of funny, like stupid but funny memes about like what's it gonna be like when a PlayStation 4 uh tries to run this game. 
uh so it's i don't know to me i think the game looks really nice like it's obviously a graphical powerhouse as powerhouse as expected but also like i thought horizon zero dawn was kind of very like safe and paint by numbers and when i look at this it's like i think the underwater stuff that they show looks really neat i think like the beach like environment looks really cool mm. But that's kind of my main takeaway. Beyond that, I think the combat looks samey. Like it, it looks like a sequel, which I suppose it is a sequel. So that's like that's not a that's not a dig. <laughs> that's just that's what it looks like to me. Uh, so let's let's hand it off to George. Uh, what did you see here in the well, Horizon Forbidden West showcase? For one, it's probably the best looking game I've ever seen. Uh, and when Zero Dawn came out, I was like, oh. You know, I I thought it looked really good, but like it didn't hit me as hard as it hit some people. But then I saw this footage, I was like, "Holy crap!" Like it looks so good. Like the colors just pop so much better. Um, and yeah, I think you're right in most regards. It it is well, it isn't just a sequel, but it does do a lot of like sequely things. It looks the same, but all of the things that they're introducing, like some of the free climbing stuff, the grappling hook, the glider, that's very Breath of the Wild, sorry everyone. Um, they all <laughs> look in, like improvements. They all look, by the way. <laughs> they, they all look really good. Um, and yeah, like Zero Dawn, I've, I've said it before many, many podcasts ago that I didn't understand the hype until I finished it. And then I was like, yeah, this is really good. Uh, so like Forbidden West for me isn't like, oh my God, this is the PS5 like showcase. This is the game like I I'm waiting for. That's more Ratchet and Clank for me. But see, yeah, I'm really excited for this. It looks fantastic. Uh, I don't think we're getting it this year though. I, you know. Yeah, they did not. I don't even know if they even said 2021 in the stream at all. They just didn't no. say anything. So it's just like, uh. Yeah, they said in the PlayStation blog, they were like, it's progressing. Like we're, we're you know, we're hoping to get it out this year, but like, you know the there's difference between hoping and it being fact uh but it looks fantastic uh aloy like talks herself way more than she did in the original and it's kind of annoying <laughs> like, yeah they, that was the I, same thing with the, with the first footage of the first horizon zero dawn where a lot that's, of true. that's true that's true they talked she spoke to herself a lot it's they a free demo feature isn't yeah. it yeah, they want to warn people that um, Horizon uh, Forbidden West, like every AAA game, has the characters speak with them, well, talk to themselves way more than they should. Yeah, at least it's not, as long as it's not like Days Gone level where it's like <laughs> muttering, it's fine. But yeah. it is, oh, it's, the first, it's the first footage of like a game I've seen in a long time that screamed to me like E3 demo. Like I was looking at it, it's like, this is so, I believe that's what the game will like and play like, but it was so like. When when that like heavy armored guy came, he's like, "You can't hurt me," and and then she like does something. It's like, "I just did," or whatever it is. I was like, "Yeah, that's not how it's gonna be <laughs> in the full <laughs> game." That's E3 demo. But it looks yeah, good. Vert- it looks really very good. very uh you know buffed out edges, vertical slice. Yes, uh, precisely. It's not it's not not saying it's a lie, but it's just idealized to be like this is like the the best possible outcome. Like yeah. if you're playing it with developer tools, I think the. As someone who, like I said, I was kind of lukewarm in the original game. I thought it was good, not great. Like I, it seems like a weird thing to be excited about. But I'm like, man, like the underwater segments look fantastic. Like, yeah, I have no do. idea how yeah. it will play, but it just looks really vibrant, really neat. And that that obviously kind of gives you a lot of opportunity for like puzzling or verticality or even like 
combat where you know you could stealth approach a, an enemy camp from the water or something like that or then also like aquatic monsters you, you already kind of have like the alligator type things like i'm trying to imagine like fighting those oh, yeah, things underwater cool, yeah so. i forgot like that's one of the big draws of horizon is all the robot things for like I, I i completely forgot there's like showed quite a few new ones here and they all look great as well um yeah definitely one to look out for uh I will become more excited as it approaches, but I, I'm trying to like calm my calm myself down a bit with games that feel like a long way off. Like I I, I suffered Kingdom Hearts free fever for like a long time, so you know I'm, I wait till the year. You're still winding down from that. I still am, yeah. <laughs> It'll be the same when four gets announced, but you know, Horizon looks great, but you know, it's not going to be here for a while. So just just a oh. just a tail off of this discussion. George already mentioned this, but yeah, the one of the main biggest takeaways was the grapple hook and the glider. Um, I forget what their in-universe names are, but the original Horizon Zero Dawn, it didn't have a lot in terms of like the exploration besides just kind of running around and like bunny hopping and some climbing. <laughs> so I'm hoping that'll, you know, those sorts of things will make kind of getting around up and down ledges and verticality a bit nicer. You know, I obviously up with the grapple hook and down with the glider. And so you're not just falling to your death. And yeah. then also the original game, one of its biggest weaknesses was its melee combat. It was just very awkward. You had like a heavy attack and a light attack, but they didn't really chain together in any way. It was kind of it just kind of felt sloppy and it was really hard to do anything useful with melee. It was almost better just to run and use your bow again. And they it's hard to tell without playing it for yourself, but they showed a little bit here where Aloy was actually able to like string a few attacks together. Um, even did a thing where she sort of jumped off the enemy and went back to using her bow. And then of course we have that like that fighting game super that kind of mixed got into the mix as well. So yeah, she's the newest Guilty Gear character. <laughs> yeah, it's like I said, it's hard to it's hard to know how this will actually play until you get a controller in your hands, but it seems like they are at least going to attempt to tweak it. Like they realize this is something we need to improve. So hopefully they can yeah. achieve that. Yeah, I, th I think the thing that really stuck out to me, like from the offset, was like the really, really big uh, bump up in facial animations for that game. Yes, like, yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive the the strides they've made uh, on that. I think the thing that uh, kind of bothered me—I know it's still developed me in development, but uh, hopefully they'll tweak it—is that like I remember—I don't remember how it was in the original Zero Dot, I don't, but I don't—I don't remember this effect being too prominent of like this like hero light on Aloy, like she's like she's like glowing. And some of the scenes of the of that showcase, like uh, in comparison to the background, mm. and when you're moving around, so I I kind of hope they toned that effect down a little bit because to me it like it felt it, it felt off like where like she's like it looks like she was like in some ethereal plane compared to like the rest of her environment, you know. I was like oh, okay, well, like I I understand like it, it she pops out more and maybe it's like it's a it's a, a visual thing where since like the environments are so densely like visually rich now that like they, they felt maybe they felt the need to like make her pop out more it's uh, accessibility yeah well i like how you mentioned the facial animations i don't have like the technical know-how to say this but it does feel like they kind of made a deliberate decision with the art style to make it slightly more like artistic and uh, cartoony is not the right word but it seems like they're not shooting for photorealism they're shooting for something that matches with like the vibrancy of the environment so it's like deliberately just focused on that and this is something yeah, that you actually yeah. kind of saw uh in a little bit in like um 
Infamous Second Son or also like uh, Last of Us Part One. I think Part Two they did end up going more photorealistic, less realistic way. I know that sounds so dumb. I'm just trying to Wait, avoid what do you using mean? the word. No, cartoon. I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm trying to avoid using the word cartoony because that has like a connotation to it that I'm not trying to portray. It seems like they're deliberately like having like an artistic uh, representation of what these characters look like that matches with the incredible vibrancy of the environment. Does that make sense? I feel yeah, like it's, no, it, I, I know it what you mean. looks no, very I smartly. It feels very smartly like composted together. Maybe I should have switched these two around and talked about this one first. But we got another strategy RPG announcement from publisher Kadokawa Games that we had brought up in the uh, Metal Mech section. Mecha Strategy RPG Relayer announced launching for PlayStation 5 and 4 this year. So this is very much a Josh Torres game. What do you see? in uh relayer yeah this is the new game from god war the god wars development team over at katakawa uh, adam has played that and i don't think you were too hot on it so i'm kind of crossing my well, fingers let me just say that i played the original version of god wars on ps4 and i just thought it was average um it had a good class system but like everything else i thought was just kind of half-baked but they re-released the game they added content to it and they tweaked it quite significantly afterwards so like i played the worst version of it and there's some significant tweaks in terms of even like how many people you can bring into a battle and things like that so okay like, it's like my my take on it is almost outdated because they updated it so much okay we'll see. <laughs> yeah so the um the, they sort of described this as like a, a space opera strategy rpg it was like okay that's weird and then the, I, that, it started making sense as they're uh, showing all these characters and factions, like even on their official site, they already have like a like a, all these organizations and how each character relates to one another and like how the organization structures works in this universe. It, it it's really aiming for a grand scope, which really ticks my boxes because I'm a big Legend of Galactic Heroes fan, arguably like my favorite like anime show ever, like that space opera right there. And the Yang Gang, uh, hey man, it's, um. And they showed a trailer of this, and it's very um, evocative of Super Robot Wars in terms of, like, obviously, Mecha's uh, moving on the strategy grid, but there's, like, fully 3D-modeled uh, environments, and when they go into, like, battles with one another, the the thing that I think of is the, the Super Robot Wars, like, Maso Kishin, Lord of Elemental games on the PSP and Vita, where they're, they're not chibi-fied. They're, they're like full-scale uh, robots that are all 3D modeled, and they kind of clash uh, against each other on on that turn and whatnot with like hit chances and what weapon to use and whatnot. So that it's it's there's you know they kind of release some story bits of um, this game where they're saying that humanity's not alone in this universe. They meet this intelligent life form called the Relayers, and then there's some sort of ancient civil, alien civilization going on. And then so they go a detail like, oh, there's these star children. They're, they're like humans bestowed with unique powers. And then I guess they can uh, pilot these mechs and whatnot. So there's a lot of that going on. They're pro uh, promising like there's like a lot of stages, like 80 plus stages. And I, I really wonder how like this character relationships are in this game because they seem to really be honing in like, oh, like these characters like really like to interact with one another. And I, I don't know. It's it's sounds interesting. It sounds really interesting. And I think the the weird the weird thing that uh, 
Kite, one of our uh, news writers on the site, and I were uh, talking about when they first released the key visual for this game as the cover of this week's uh, Famitsu article, the, the one that just came out, was um, there's like these two robots, like this red one, and then like kind of this like grayish silver. White, uh, black. One. Yeah. White it, it's like new Gundam versus uh, Sasabi, right? Exactly. <laughs> the first exactly. thing I look at. Yeah, like it's very evocative of the Shars counterattack, like the yeah, new versus Zazabi uh, Gundams like clashing against each other. It's like if you did it, if you did it like if you just kind of like scrolled by that without like really paying attention to it, like you would just assume it's like, oh, it's just a, it's just another artwork of like Sazavi and New, like, you know, swords uh pressing against each other. It just that that was a weird kind of like way like way to advertise the game, but I, I kind of dig it. I'm not entirely like sold on the mech designs yet they're like they're very blocky and sectioned off like the way they kind of uh, show like in the full body works but you know i could i could grow to like them in time and then the, a lot of the character designs seem pretty cool but this is they're planning this as like a, a simultaneous worldwide release uh as well which is really cool it's gonna support uh english and japanese voiceovers and it's it, it, the interesting thing about this is this is going to be distributed by uh, Clouded Leopard Entertainment, which who are the ones responsible for all like the Chinese and Asian releases of uh, the Trails series as well. So I wonder if they're also going to be distributing the Western version of this game, or if it's just going to be kind of I don't know who to distribute. Does Katakawa Games rely on? Usually it's NIS America, but but like as we saw, Metal Max Xeno Reborn. That's P cube now for some reason. Oh right, yeah, oh. yeah. But usually in the past, it's always been NAS. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It it they released the first trailer. Everything's up on the site. I think Kite has it. Uh, put it up, and it's yeah. I I want to hear more. I want to I want to know more. I am very down to try this game out. It is. We don't get a lot of these types of games anymore. <laughs> And again, that's uh, that's a relayer, a tactical Is that, RPG. that supposed to be this year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This year, and they say plans for worldwide release. So we've been hearing that a lot this week. So lots of reasons to be excited. And then we got a kind of a surprise announcement of a new game, even though it seems like maybe it was unintended. We've been talking a little bit over the last couple months about you know fiscal year results, usually in the terms of sales. Uh, the target this time is publisher 505 Games, more specifically their parent company, Digital Bros. They went, they had a corporate overview presentation going over the recent fiscal year. Specifically, we're going to zero in on a slide talking about the 2019 release of Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. And this sounds a bit weird because I don't know like why it ended up this way. But on this, uh, they talk about its Metacritic score, its revenue, but also it had a fifth bullet point, sorry, sixth bullet point on there saying second version in development so on this corporate overview presentation on the slide for bloodstained ritual at night talking about basically announcing a sequel then when this was noticed and called out and shared a second version of this presentation was uploaded with that bullet no changes except that bullet was removed so <laughs> it seems like they someone fired fired it off too early or didn't realize that it wasn't formally announced very weird it's also, but this is also you know speculation but like kotaku actually reached out and basically said like hey what's up and what 505 replied was we have no comment 
And <laughs> you know, this is one of those things where it's like, if it was just like an error, like, oh, we that was that was supposed to go on the Ghost Runner slide because Ghost Runner is getting a second version. Um, you know, they would just say that was a mistake. But the fact that they said no comment, almost like in a way, it's sort of like confirmation. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, but it sort of does. Um, I'd be down, you know. Bloodstained is a hell of a game. Really enjoyed it. It's pretty good. So, uh, I'm down for more. You know, they, they, there's definitely some improvements they can make, and I think that if they play their cards right, it could be really, really good. Yeah, this is very. This is like the classic use of the all but confirmed. It's like it's not confirmed, confirmed, but pretty much. Not unless they give a more definitive statement about why it was on the slide and then why it was removed, which seems like almost like admission at that point. Uh, but yeah, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night seems to have a sequel in development, which I guess in its in itself isn't that surprising, but it's kind of cool to see it uh, in a corporate presentation. League, I guess, continues to make uh, castle, not Castlevania games, so I'm yep. all for it. We did get a couple new release dates for already announced games. A uh, very short press release from the Pokemon company about their two upcoming releases, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, along with Pokemon Legends Arceus. I asked how that was pronounced when that was announced, and I forget what it was, so I'm just going to say Arceus. Arceus, Anyways. Arceus, tomato, tomato. Yes. <laughs> uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl is set to release on November 19th, which is kind of like the weekend that all Pokemon games <laughs> release in November, I feel like. Yep. So maybe oh, not God. a surprise, but uh, those games will be releasing in the third week of November. I, I, I just realized I'm going to have to juggle that in Endwalker. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, they release on the same day, right? <laughs> I did I did see some people like snidely saying, like, good luck, Pokemon. I'm going to be playing the Endwalker early access on November 19th. <laughs> but it's like, it's not like there's a time limit that like you can play Pokemon in July, the year after, and no one's going to stop you. Uh, so Pokemon's but, bigger than Final Fantasy. You, you can play Pokemon, James, so I can catch up on Endwalker. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, th there was no really other details about the re-release. A few, a few more screenshots. No, not even any new screenshots. Just the box arts, which I think are actually really quite terrible. They look like that late twenty, <laughs> late two thousands, like early CG. Like it's like a CG render placed it on with like, a and they're like, yeah. just it just looks really bad. It looks like a Pokemon card art, like I'll, the weird art style that they use on the Pokemon like booster card packs, only on the video game box art. I, I don't know, like Pokemon box art never stand out for me. It's usually just like the legendary Pokemon in a pretty lousy yeah, background. You're, you're, that's you're, it. You're yeah. not wrong. That's true. <laughs> I think the last time that there was an actually really good Pokemon box art was probably Heart Gold and Soul Silver, and even then it was still just legendary on the box. It just the background for it was more interesting, I'd say. Well, I guess on that note, we did also get a release date for Pokemon Legends Arceus. This is the like open world, more actiony type of game that was announced uh, in the uh, February Pokemon Presents stream. It is releasing on January February. Oh my god! Yeah, forever ago, January twenty eighth, twenty twenty two is when Pokemon Legends Arceus is releasing, and it also got its box art, and it is uh, a bit better. It's, it's still kind of like generic, but like it just compared to like its competition within its series it looks really good it's just a shot of a bunch of the pokemon like we already kind of know that this is using like a an amalgamation of different starters like it's got uh uh Cyndaquil and Oshawott and 
uh, what's the other one? What's that owl? The grass type owl from Gen Seven. Owl, uh, I don't know. <laughs> James, <laughs> what's that called? Uh, Gen Seven Rowlet. was the one. Se- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. We all knew. We all knew. We all knew. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I think nobody really expected uh, Pokemon Legends to come out this soon because they said yeah. 2022, and people probably assumed that oh, holiday. It's going to be the 2020. Yeah, it's going to be holiday 2022. There's a lot of time for it to like get extra development, especially since this does make me a bit more worried about it because I feel like a lot of people saw that original like kind of review and it's like, oh, this looks pretty rough, but they said 2022. So that means that they have a lot yeah, of time to work on it. But but if it's coming out in January 2022, that's a little bit different. <laughs> so yeah, there was that, 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 that reveal trailer was like pretty rough. <laughs> that's why you better you better start, you better all start praying those switch pro rumors are true yeah. <laughs> as of the time of recording there much is no like, concrete uh, details much like pro yeah. stuff go ahead uh james much like nihon falcom needed the playstation 5 to uh fix east 9 sure uh sure we will need the switch pro the fix uh pokemon legend pokemon <laughs> legends arceus what if that's not enough uh God, I can't wait. I can't wait for it though. Like I know it did look rough. It looked really rough, but the idea of it is exactly. Oh, you got to calm down. Biomutant's gonna happen if you do this. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. Uh, but it looks cool. It looks cool. It's like I I am base Pokemon fan. Like I am. I'm so like oh Gen One, Gen Two were peak when you know they probably weren't gameplay wise. But yeah, I, I'm super excited for this. Wait, no, I'm mildly excited. Uh, hopefully it's good. I am tempered <laughs> expectations for this game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. <laughs> but yeah, we got the box arts, we got the release dates, not a lot of other details. Uh, but yeah. During his section earlier in the podcast, uh, Josh did kind of allude to this. We also had, surprise, another event, streaming event from earlier this week, and that was the Monster Hunter May 2021 digital event, mainly going over title update three for Monster Hunter Rise. Basically, this was kind of the major update that added, like, extended the, the story of the of the base game, which was originally kind of cut short. Uh, it, the update was headlined by the addition of two new monsters, Crim- Crimson Glow, uh, I can't say this, tongue twister, Crimson Glow, Valstrax, and Apex Zenogre. So I haven't played a Monster Hunter game that has Valstrax, but apparently he was like a flagship from an earlier title. Yeah, this is from Generations, I want to say. Was it Generations? I forgot. Uh, Generations Ultimate. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, I, I've been kind of pecking away at this uh, new update. Um, I it's, I think the new content starts at HR 50, but I was already like HR 79 or something. So I was... I don't know. This is a weird update because this feels like... Uh, relatively less content than the update 2.0 uh, update 2.0 had um camellios um the tiastra kashala yep um and the, it opened up so the apex fights to normal fights like apex arzuros and apex mizutsune um this one r- right away you you get like the final like story quest and i was really underwhelmed i guess with the way it happened because they they lead it off with like a big cliffhanger at the end of that story and then this was just like 
all right, go kill like the final bosses, and then and, and then like there's like a final cutscene of like you did it, good job, you thumbs up, everyone, let's go eat, and then that's it. And it's like and that, that it's just literally one new quest, story quest, uh. which is the final boss, and like the 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 fight itself was it was very reminiscent of like these uh, other fights that you already had with Ibushi. Oh, Ibushi was only Rampage, I think, so you got to fight Ibushi um, normally, and then Narwa has like this all-mother form after you take down Ibushi, and that actually has like a new moveset and has like some cool moves uh, associated with it, but like the, the, the pace of the fight and the way you handle it is still largely similar to how you fought it with the first final boss of the game, like when it was still the final boss. So like there are moments in it that are cool that I won't spoil, but overall it's kinda of, it, it felt underwhelming in the grand scheme of things, especially with the way like that clip what that cliffhanger uh left players off of of and then after that uh your next goal is to get the HR one hundred, which I'm trying to get, which is for the Valstrax fight, which I need to get to. Uh I wanna really play that because that's supposed to be like, you know, the the big, big, big final monster at the moment and that a lot of people seem to be dying to it because it, it's actually a, a piece of challenging content for the game at lo- long last so i'm interested to see how that fight goes it's interesting because they only added this variant this crimson glow valstrax not base valstrax so i i can't think of many monsters throughout the series where they only had it uh, when they only added their va- variants not their base monster to it um also, they added an Apex Rathalos uh, fight, both in... Uh, I think Apex Rathalos was in the last update, but um, you can fight it in an, a normal fight now, which is pretty challenging uh, for, for a lot of players, and it hits really hard. And you can fight Apex Zenogre, I think, much later on normally, but Apex Zenogre was unlocked for me in Rampage, so I got only played only fought it uh, in Rampage so far. So I, I assume that'll be that'll unlock after Valstrax or whatever, but I like there hasn't been really any substantial changes outside of those few fights. There's like no like secret monster, as I've heard of like like with the Beetle Geese uh, surprise in the last Monster Hunter update. So you know I'll, I'll I'll keep working away at it, but it's definitely uh, for me at the moment the, with the roadmap that they provided. It it, it looks so yeah. I was, bones, I was actually like, going to comment know. on that. The roadmap is very thin which i guess is fine but it's just like i'm not even sure why you'd even share it in this format the roadmap basically shows the that basically starting in june there will be a collab event followed by dlc and event quest followed by a collab event followed by dlc and event quests that's basically like the roadmap i'm honestly that collab event is just like with uh stories too and that's like a for like uh an item of i don't know what item but it's like whatever you know what i'm thinking of i'm honestly not sure now if the reason why the um the updates happened the way they did was because of covid or if the rise team decided well we need to have additional monsters like world did so let's cut out monsters from the base game and just bring Mm -hmm. them in over the first couple of months to have the illusion of longer running support with additional monsters uh, I, I think it's probably like a little bit of both. Both can be true, right? Because yeah. uh, like COVID, you know, we're we're now feeling the full effects of COVID in game development. Last year, like that was just like things that were already like have like were already ongoing and were like already yeah. set released and ready to go. Now we're really in the thick of it of like 
oh shit, we're still in these conditions, and like these either working by home from home or remote conditions or maybe like a hybrid condition. It's like things are still in flux, and things are way more unsure than they were ever were now because the projects are like starting to like ramp up within these times. So working around that and working through development fully within these new, this new normal is yeah, now the, the, the kind projects of that were at the heart of their development and squarely in the middle of the pandemic at its peak. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why like for a lot of like release dates that we share on this podcast and any release dates that you see now for ongoing games, like I, I, I like, I, I really don't believe in a release date right now until I actually see it downloading or like playing in front of me. Or like, I see like someone I know play it and it's like, okay, this game exists and it's it's fully playable like uh, other than that these release dates right now are just like i don't know if you say so if you can make this but there's a reason why like so many delay announcements have been made for a lot of projects this year alone because no one really knows no one really knows how, how it's gonna go until you know <laughs> yeah i don't want to say like how dare they show this thin road ma- thin road map but I'm just saying, like, couldn't they just have avoided this and just saying, like, yeah, we got a stories collab coming up and we've got more planned for the future and just kind of leave it at that. Or like the DLC quests yeah. or the event quests that they have listed, just like kind of drop them in with like a very short head. Like, oh, here's a we've added an event quest where you, gi- where you fight a giant Rajang. It's like Rajang, only he's three stories tall or something, whatever they end up doing. They do silly stuff like that. At least they did for World. Yeah. Like, I just would have avoided presenting it like a roadmap to be criticized in the first place, <laughs> I guess, is what I would have done. Right. Yeah. Me, the dumb consumer that yeah, has never I, worked I, on I the other side, but <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with that because that like when you compare that roadmap to like an ice yeah roadmap, exactly it's like, oh, fuck. yeah so you know it's it's still it's still fun and I'm really curious to see how Valstrax is now my yeah. my good jet engine dragon. I want to stress though that there's nothing wrong with um. The content that's in the game now like my main problem was just with what was there at launch because it definitely felt like there was stuff missing and it sounds like that now that's there and honestly not every monster hunter has to be a like they didn't call it a games as a service but world basically was by the end of it but um i don't know yeah the, the the like the the one the the one hope I have now is they they do have a Gormagala skeleton now with Valstrax being in the game. So, come on, Capcom, what, what are we doing? Where's the Gormagala? Quests, they're coming up. What are we... <laughs> uh, I... But yeah, like if they add more monsters, like you know, I'll keep coming back to this game throughout the year as they add more stuff. And like I, I'm in it for the long haul now. Also coming out of this Monster Hunter stream event, they did have a new trailer for Stories Two. It's at this point, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm just waiting for launch at that point. You know, it's it was like another two minutes of just some cutscenes and some. I think they opened the streaming event with There's it. Go ahead, say that again. You can, you can, they're genetic engineering now in it. You can breed your monsters and like do match three, uh, with their traits. And then you can have like monsters that inherit like different elemental attacks that they were meant, weren't meant to through genetic that was in the, engineering. That- that was in the first game. <laughs> I don't remember that one. So it, one of the very first th- first things you're told about, like really early on, is you're given a Legambi and it's like, hey, mess around using traits so it can breathe fire. That was like 20 years ago, man. You're, you're yeah. asking me a lot to remember that. 
And then a few days after the streaming, or maybe the day after, we did also learn that uh, Monster Hunter Rise has passed the 7 million sales unit mark, which at this point is like, what is there to say? It's outsold their expectations. I think they expected like 5, 6 million lifetime, and now they're at 7 million in three months, or sorry, two months. Insane to see like what the potential of this game is in terms of sales volume, especially considering that it that a PC release is all but confirmed and probably other consoles. So it'll be interesting to see, like, where does it stack up to a world? At, at, at some point, it seemed unreachable that it could ever reach world's highs. And now it's a little less certain, I feel like. But obviously, it's done really well. I hope they do that Witcher 3 thing where you can, like, transfer your save data from, like, the Switch version to the PC version and vice versa. Because uh, I don't want to start all over with Rise. They, yeah, they, ne- they never did for world. So missed opportunity there. But the, and but then again, it sounds... It sounds like that might have been down to Sony because apparently there was like issues with Destiny 2 where basically Bungie had to all but blackmail Sony to let them do that for it. So could have been something yeah. like that. I-, I feel like there's a decent chance for Rise, if only because there are like multiple instances of it happening between obviously The Witcher, but also like Divinity Original like Sin 2 well. and Hades. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Sev. So, I mean, it, I think there wouldn't be any, well, it depends on if there's any, like, Nintendo collaborations. If there's Nintendo collaborations, that yeah, might well, be once, something Yeah, once you hear a Monster Hunter, if like, a direct update or something streamed, and they mentioned Mario, it's all over, the dream's dead. Yeah, <laughs> if there's no Nintendo collaborations, which I'm sure, like, a lot of Switch owners would actually like them. Now, I, I play on PC, too. Please, keep them away from me. I want the dream to stay yeah. alive. No Mario and Monster Hunter. We have um, progressed past the need of Mario. Well, he's dead now, right? That's the yeah. podcast title, by the way. <laughs> That's the podcast title. <laughs> a couple other release dates to talk about. Uh, this one is a game we brought up a few weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, the Legend of Heroes, Kurono Kaseki, the newest entry in the Kaseki slash Trail series, now has a release date. It is releasing in Japan. That is, no English announcement at all still. is uh, Japan on September 30th. And from the last time we talked about it, they did introduce the last two playable characters out of that main cast of eight that they teased from the outset. Uh, the last time we talked about it, we introduced Reset and Quatra, Katra, or Quatra, whatever it is. Uh, this week, they've announced Judith Ranster, who is a 22-year-old actress, and then Burgard Zimmen, who is the 69-year-old martial artist. So he was the one when they only showed the ages. It was like 21, 25, 22, 69. So... Uh, you got you got your classic JRPG like mentor character, I presume, in the cast with Burgard. Uh, not much to say. They both look really cool. We got some new uh, artworks from all the characters with the Katsumi and Nami art, which looks great, as always. I'll definitely say from the bits and pieces we're seeing of Kuro, I it's definitely off to a better start than Cold Steel ever had. I feel like, <laughs> at least in regards to. Uh, the tone. I, I'm a little bit burned out with Cold Steel, but I feel like I might give this game, you know, I might play it on launch. You know, the voice cast is like very top tier for this. They got like the big stars. Yeah, the that. Japanese cast, yeah. But ciao, but ciao, if you're going to play Kuro and maybe make a guide, you need to play Hajimari and make a guide for it first. <laughs> no, you can't end I, your streak. I, you can't let the streak die. I, I already skipped zero and made a Trails of Azure guide. Oh. I was actually just about to mention it's it's almost kind of a bummer where it's like 
Uh, I'm you know I'm getting kind of excited for Kuro. I want to play it, but that, there's still this Hajimari thing well, that I kind not of not only that. But so I played uh, Trails from Zero a month ago, and I I'm getting ready to play the new fan translation for Azure. And in some of the, I forget if it was Famitsu or another magazine, but they released some more just screenshots from the game, and it has characters that were introduced. I believe maybe they're they're they are prominent characters in the Crossbell games. I'm talking about Kilika and cow cao um and it's like oh so is this really gonna be it makes sense because those characters are calvardian which is where this play this game takes place but it really seems like is it this isn't gonna be like the oh it's safe to jump in here without a few caveats well kilika was introduced yeah, in Sky, a, right? yeah she was, she yeah, was introduced as uh, zin's friend but yeah she, <laughs> she, yeah she talks yeah. to zin a lot yeah so, so i don't want to say that i guess not to mention based off stuff in the third there's a never character that will probably show yeah. up well, yeah, there's, there's a few a characters from Hale from the third. Well, yeah. Richard for one, probably, because so. he's in Calvert at the moment. I think so. Yeah, it's, so it seems like anyone hoping that this is going to be a clean start probably won't be. It'll be to some extent just inherently. But I remember when I first played. Well, remember as if it was long ago when I first played Zero. It, even though it was a new protagonist and new location, it kind of tethers directly to what preceded it in Trails in the Sky Third. Uh, so it seems like really only Cold Steel One had that, even that like facade of being like a fresh start, and that didn't last for very long. So it seems like just status quo. These games all tail together. That's the way they should probably be enjoyed. Even though with the state of English releases, that's very difficult. So same as it ever was, I guess. Nothing's changed on that paradigm. I don't know. I think it's pretty hard to to try to sell overarching series. It's like, oh yeah, it's like you want to play this new RPG game? Can you play like the five games before this? Before we're literally at Kingdom Hearts. We're literally at go play these ten games. They're all like forty plus hours. Good luck. It's also and then Cold Steel three and four are like a hundred hours, and Hajimari is like seventy. I think there's you know there's also Yakuza sort of sort of running into this problem, I guess, right? Um, Yakuza games are much, I mean, are seven order games. So I'm just sort of imagining, like, you're selling this game, it's marketed largely, you know, to teens, whatever. Um, that's, like, your main player base, right? And, like, a lot of these, you know, kids who are, like, going to be 15, 16, 17, maybe early 20s, it's like, like, oh, wait, in order for me to really understand this Kuro no Kaseki game that I want to play, I have to play this trails in the sky game from like 20 years ago like you're 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 gonna you might run into a problem if you're not careful like um you're restricting your audience uh to only people who have like really played all these games so there is a certain Mm -hmm. sort of like resonance that you get from having all that invested time and build up and relationships that you've they've experienced i'm not saying like how dare how dare you can backfire it's just that at some point you're also bringing up with it the the level of hurdle that you have to clear to to meet any sort yes. of enjoyment, so they kind of come up together, and then it can become baggage, like with me and Cold Steel Four. Yeah, and like when you think about like sales numbers over time too, like it, it, there's only going to be like a downward trend at a certain point where like only a certain play, amount of players are going to come back and back and back and back. And it certainly doesn't help that Falcom's stubborn and refuses to release their games on Switch when. It, like that's where the market is for the types of games that Falcom is making. That's where the market is. 
So I don't know. <laughs> but um, it's actually funny because um, just the other day I was at a local game store and uh, a dude came in wearing a Trails of Cold Steel sweatshirt and he was like getting into the series and he was kind of lamenting the fact. No, it what? Do I live in Canada? <laughs> I don't know. Do you? I do have. Uh, I do have some Trails of Cold Steel t-shirts. Oh God, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but basically, he he started with Trails of Cold Steel one, and then he like after he finished it, he was like, "Oh, what's else in this series?" And he's like, "Oh shit, there's Trails in the Sky and the Crossbell games." And it's like, even if they're saying, "Oh, you can start with Cold Steel," it's obvious that I'm I'd be missing a lot if I didn't play these. So he went back and he's starting Trails in the Sky, and it's like he's like overwhelmed because it's like, "Oh my god, there's so many." Yeah, games. how many people are going to are going to like are going to make that decision to like I'm going to really invest yeah, in this, yeah, you know? Yeah, you had like that it's, weird awkward thing when Nice America took up the the license for it from Xseed and it's like, "Oh, you can start with Cold Steel 3." I we swear. We yeah. swear Cold Steel 3 a perfect jumping on point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perfect perfect uh, starting game. It's like, "All right, say so." <laughs> And then yeah, they even had like condo out there marking. It's like yeah, go jump into Cold Steel Three. It's uh, I can't believe he got the guts to say that. But what he's gonna exactly. say? Don't buy our game until you beat these. <laughs> the funniest thing, I swear. Well, you just have to be careful, basically. If you're these, if you're a condo and the developers, it's like I get why people who are already invested like a long running series and a long running story and returning characters, but. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, like what James said, the hurdle is just going to get bigger and bigger. I can't wait for the Hajimari localization. Oh. Like, ah, yeah, you can jump into Hajimari, guys. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, start with this one. I mean, especially if they go Trails of um, the Origin or Trails from the Beginning, it's like, yeah. look, it's right there in the title. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, though, that I am on this train. Like, I do plan to play Azure within the next couple months. And I the reason why I paused to play Zero and Azure was so that I could go into Cold Steel 4 like with all the knowledge that I quote unquote should have. And then maybe we'll we'll get the announcement of a Hajimari localization before the end of the summer within all somewhere nested in all this E3-ish stuff. Maybe. Who knows? All right. Like even though we just criticize like how this is kind of frustrating, like I'm I'm totally like, well if that's how it is, that's how it will be. I I guess You've you've laid this road for me. I'll I'll follow it. And now that we have, we're lucky enough to have the dedicated people over at GeoFront uh, giving us uh, an English option. <laughs> so, as always, um, just full disclosure: uh, more than a couple of us at um, RPG site here are friends with people on the GeoFront team. Chow and I are very close friends with many of the GeoFront people, and uh, we've both actually like to help test the zero fan translation at least a bit i am so, i am not i am not friends with there. any of them i don't have any friends so uh all of my uh, you all you of my what, opinions are hilarious. <laughs> you can you can count on that you know what's hilarious though I, I wrote some mistakes in my guide with some wrong data table and people have been pinging geofront it's like is this a bug with your game <laughs> but you can't be wrong <laughs> chow okay everything you write in a guide is fucking law <laughs> if you're wrong then we don't know what to actually do Wait a second. You said you didn't do a zero guide. Oh, no, th no, this is Azure. I'm talking about Azure in all. In, <laughs> they're actually like already paying like their head lead. It's like, is this a bug in your game? Because these talent tables don't match up. Oh, man. Because Chow would never lie to us. I, I mean, I hope we get a Hajimari announcement for English from Nice America before the end of the year. That would be cool because it would know that we're still on like because I, 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 if we lose a year, then we just like that gap between 
where the official releases are and where the English releases are, we'll just start widening again. I'm like, I hope we at least keep pace is kind of like where I'm at. Yeah, I, I do wonder, uh, Chow mentioned it a little bit earlier, uh, like the even like there's like s- such big Japanese voice actors and actresses on this uh, Kuro no Kiseki game. Like, I do wonder how many scenes will be voiced because I imagine the, the, the budget for them can't be cheap. Like you have Daisuke Ono voicing the main character and he's Jotaro from Jojo, Miku Ito as Agnes, and she's Kokoro from Princess Connect. You have two B's voice actress, Yui Ishikawa as Rosette, which is a funny, you know, I think Rosette's like, uh-huh, 2B. Yeah, <laughs> basically 2B. But, you know, it's, and then Judith as Yoko Hikasa, just really big voice actors and actresses on this project. So it's, it's exciting. That 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 uh, light up is fire, but we'll see. I mean, how much is actually voiced? Uh, one of the funniest things I see was uh, there. There was a stream with like Falcom recently. They said that it's like, well, I think there's too much story to be told. I don't think we can self-contain this in one game. Yeah, I, uh, the bargaining already has already out, begun. Please let it be one game. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> so we're, we're fucked, dude. We're, we're totally fucked. This is gonna be another twenty game. I've I've long since accepted that by the time the series is over, it's going to be a, an over one thousand hour story because we're close already. Gonna we're gonna it. get there. It gets yeah. good at the nine hundred hour mark, man. Don't worry, just uh, stick with it, okay, George. Just just ignore just ignore that dip in quality uh, at yeah, the six hundred seven hundred hour mark of Cold Steel Four. <laughs> just uh, just patch right through it. Here's a child focus update. We've got a new major uh, patch for Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact version 1.6 launches on June 9th. It adds the character Kazuha, summer outfits like swimsuits, and a few other things. Uh, are you looking forward to this, Chow? Um, I'm looking forward to skins. <laughs> like, I don't know. I always play. I always play uh, mobile games and MMOs for the glamour. So I oh, always yeah? go well, for what that. What skins are we talking about here? We got a new skin for uh, Barbara and Jean. The two sisters got a new uh, summer outfit because they're gonna go for a summer island for for vacation for for this patch up. Are are, right? are they like doing any like, gameplay changes in this new content? Like this. Like, um, I don't think there's big changes, uh, but uh, if you're like been following the leaks, every everything that's going on here is actually pretty much spot on what people found before. Like you got all this um, was it introduction to uh, Izu Izuna or whatever that place is called? Yeah, they got um Beto, which people announced that she's gonna introduce you to this to this new region and this. Patch, I think it's just trying to set up things for a new region to come in 1.7. By the way, the uh, the title of 1.6 is Midsummer Island Adventure, so it is kind of treated like a vacation side story or something. Yeah, and it's mostly mini games a lot. I mean, they get no. a boat and okay, all this. So there are like new stuff, like mini but... games and like so you're actually doing like different stuff than just like the usual. Yeah, but I think what people are looking more forward to is perhaps the 1.7 patch because that's when Ayaka is supposed to come out probably, right? Because she's because at the end of this patch live stream, she's introducing you to the new region and what what you can find in the new region, I mean, right? You're the one who knows Genshin. I don't know. Well, I'm just I'm just trying to give you a rough brief. Uh, I mean, you're you know? right. I'm like, I guess. But, sure. I'm just kidding. I'm with you. Um. 
So I, Chow would be able to talk about this more than I could, but I, as I understand it, the, 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 the new outfits for Jean and Barbara, they're not really given to you. It's more that uh, they are Barbara's not available free. to be. But one um, of them, I saw something like one of them is like $30 for an outfit. Is that right? Um, that seems like a lot. $30, $30 isn't exactly accurate. It's more like it costs 1980 gems, I think. And apparently for first dippers, you get a discount, which is at 1300 gems. You got to look at the gems in, in a ratio kind of thing. Like, I think you look at, I think like the more you buy, the cheaper it is because you okay, get like well, this okay. double. Uh, what what is the cheapest price? If I have zero gems, what is the cheapest price I can get this skin? I think at least $20 okay. right now with the discount. I, without the discount, I think Adam's right about thirty dollars. That's how that's how you make this money, right? You just sell swimsuits for twenty, thirty dollars. Okay, and with people the, will buy with them. the primo gems, hey. like, is there? Do you, does it have to be paid primo gems, or can you do? Yes, okay. it has to be paid gems. It has to be those Genesis crystals. So uh, you know, it's you gotta pay for that. You can't cheat your way out with okay. primo gems. All right, then. Yeah, they they want their money, and they're like, hey, this game is free to play, but if you want, if you want these. Like every game has a yeah. different structure with selling skins. Like uh, Grand Blue sells skins too. Um, how they work is they would sell you a ten roll ticket and the skin. So you technically paying for ten rolls, which is the exact same price, and you get the skin for free. But, the, but this one you don't get. You don't get a ten like roll. That. You they just you. Yeah, you're you just buy a skin yeah. and you don't get free rolls. Like, I think this is a common practice with any like free to play in Fortnite, Apex Legends, and uh, like I. Yeah, like, and if you're playing something like Azure Lane, I think that's where skins are really cheap. But, like, I guess their approach is more like we give you the units that are easy to get, so you would buy the skin, and that's you're also gonna get arrested by the FBI right? because you booted up Azure Lane. <laughs> well, it depends on what you're looking at, right? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just using different business yeah. model to compare what. Well, like, what well, like MMOs is. like sell mount skins for twenty twenty five bucks sometimes, so it's not like unheard of. We're like we're over thirty if you're like me and whale for a whale. Yeah. Oh yeah, the lunar whale melt, right? Are Are you looking forward to like? So you're looking forward to the one point seven update? Is there like any uh, time frame you give gave for that? Well. Usually when you a good way to tell you when the new patch comes out is when your battle pass okay. is gonna expire. That's basically it. You look at it, it says, Oh, this battle pass got fifty days to unlock all this crap and and once you pass those fifty days, it's like, well, that's when the new patch hits usually. All right. But yeah, that's basically it for Genshin one point six. Uh I'm mm, are you are you, are you gonna roll for the new it, character? But... No, I'm nah. skipping. No dudes, man. No dudes. Are you ready for Ayaka? Is Ayaka free or is she going to be roll or do we know yet? Uh, of course she won't be yeah. free. I mean, this is like I don't, hey, I don't know, them, man. man. Like, they gave you some free characters in that game early on. Yeah, but it's like I don't know. Like, remember the when the game first came out, there's there's like Ayaka is given for free to 1.2 players. It's like Dude. that leak was Dude, yeah, like shot so far. Like yeah, I was actually looking forward to that leak being true because like that's when I was still playing Genshin, and like we're now fucking in May of the next year, and still no. It's a good thing. I, it's a look. I'm just saying it's a good thing I've done it that game because if if I was still playing at Ayaka's around the corner, I would. I, I don't. I would probably. Your wallet would hurt. I would, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Sayori Hami. It's, it's Sayori Hami's birthday today. That's the voice yeah. actor 
Rayaka. Yeah. So happy birthday. Hyman's gonna drive Josh broke oh. if he was still playing. <laughs> I'm so I'm so happy I'm not playing that game anymore. Two tiny last minute footnotes here. Uh, we did also in the last week have a Sonic event that we talked about. Woo! Not really anything. <laughs> not really anything there on what? the RPG front, except actually, oh, okay, actually, actually, there was leaks that there there were leaks that Sonic Rangers is the uh, teased new Sonic team game, not announced but leaked and like rumored, um, with some substantiating evidence but also like the leaks uh imply there's things like an open world and skill trees oh, that's all you need so, to be an rpg oh no shots, yeah. shots gun, <laughs> shotgun bags all right uh, yeah i already see uh, george putting his name down in the review doc for this leak he's like signing up for sonic rangers <laughs> <laughs> okay do be, do be clear um i guess the metadata for the trailer that released like the teaser still has like Sonic Rangers listed as like a title, even though that title was not announced. And then there was like a Reddit or 4chan or something, I forget which exactly leak from it was like months again, months ago. Yeah, 4chan that also used Sonic Rangers and you know saying that they were a tester and they said all the things they saw. So it's like yeah, I... the, the the substantiating evidence is that this metadata title and this leak title that came out earlier are the same. So it's like, huh, maybe there's something there. We don't know. Clusters of other little aspects of like the teaser that do seem to line up with well, obviously, once you think, oh, there might be something here, you look at the rest of it and it's like, oh, maybe this connects to what he was saying. But there was mm -hmm. like a thing about how there's like cyberspace, like special levels, and like there's like the kind of like glitch blocks in the in the boots yeah. or whatnot. And then there was like one thing about tracing like a circle, and you see that with like the light and it's I, I like it's 4chan take it with not just a grain of salt but the whole shaker but uh there have been moments where it's been where the rumors have been real the leaks have been real and this one definitely seems like it at least has some smoke to it if there is a if there's a fire we'll yeah have to I, wait I, to I, see but again i don't know why i don't know why we're I, even talking I, about I, Sonic. Look, Sonic. Matt, I, I heard that sonic's gonna uh, go like it's morphin time it's gonna be go go mm -hmm. sonic rangers no yes been nonsense until they officially okay there's not an actual like we can't we can't go down this rabbit right hole we already did but we can't we can't we have to stop why are we sonic here well Riot. early on before before the sonic rangers tease at the end and all the leak stuff that followed it uh they were showing off basically sonic collabs and a bunch of other uh sega properties like two point hospital and a few other things including the upcoming announced lost judgment game from rgg studios so sonic the fighters will Woo! be a playable arcade game within yeah. lost judgment that's his cameo there heck yeah so you know i'm gonna say you know i never knew that the sonic fighters was a game that existed i thought that was a so for full stroke cast but, you know, I never knew. You better hope they don't do a fucking Virtua Fighter 5 Ultimate Showdown release for Sonic the Fighters, or else you're going to have to see me there with. Uh, yeah, with Blitz, uh, yeah it's going to absorb the delay. Uh, main, main Fang. I'm Main Fang in Sonic the Fighters. 
That's really obscure. If you haven't played Sonic the Fighters, it's just like one of the yeah. I the remember characters on the like, crap. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sonic the Fighters originally Josh released it. uh in uh, it's like ninety six. Yeah, in the arcade for ninety six, but then appeared on the GameCube in two thousand five or PlayStation two as well. So I didn't know about the PS. I guess. Sure. Yeah. yeah I, I, I'm in. Why not? I, I'm going to mess around with that in Lost Judgment. I hope they have a virtual on in Lost Judgment. Uh, I'm just like reading the characters like Bark the Polar Bear, Being the Dynamite. Like you just made this up. That guy doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> it also has Sonic's Tails, Knuckles, Amy, SBO. Obviously, Dang. they're going to bring them back for Sonic Rangers. That's this the whole tease. Yes. And then here's one final note that George put on here uh, about Dying Light 2. I don't have the context other than the title. George, what did you want to talk about for Dying Light 2? So uh, Dying Light 2, so, like, it's only going to be me who's interested in it at the end of the day. It's a real Marvel's Avengers oh, situation again. But it is an alternative. Cool, good game. But... Yeah, they're, like, Dying Light 2, Dying Light 1 is arguably one of the best zombie games sure. out there. Like, yeah. I love that one. Um, and Dying Light 2, they're, so believe it or not, they're action, they're action RPGs. No, that's definitely not the right word for it. No, they are RPGs. They're like survival horror RPGs. Um, so they, they count. I'm allowed to talk about it. Uh, and they re- revealed that the release date is December, Seventh. I think it's 6th, or maybe it's yeah. seven, ah, 7th. So like a late one this year. Uh, but the gameplay that they showed off, it looks like more Dying Light, and it looks like really, really good. I know there was some like stuff about Techland kind of being a bit crap, like the developers. There was some like in-office stuff there, uh, and I hope that's not. Well, I believe it's true, but I hope it's like resolved a bit more. Uh, and Dying Light Two's been not in development hell. It's not as bad as Dead Island Two, but like you know, people have been waiting on this one for a while, development and purgatory. it looks like it's going to live up to it. Yeah. The the story of our story of every bloody zombie game apparently, Dead Island Two, Dead Rising Five, which got cancelled, and then Dying Light Two. But Dying Light Two's come out of it, and from the gameplay we saw, yeah, it's it's like we said about Horizon earlier. It's more of the same, but with yeah, some, like little tweaks, the pretty refined like uh, melee animations, like the drop kicks and whatnot. They look uh, a lot better. Yeah, dropkick. Like the, the melee yeah. weapons that they showed off, they look like they have a lot more oomph to them, which looks pretty cool. I think the the one part of the presentation that they showed off that really uh, interested me was uh, how they compared uh, like the new standard in Dying Light Two. Like uh, on in Dying Light One, like you usually you usually wanted to like reach the rooftops uh, at nighttime, but now like rooftops in Dying Light Two are like the standard like. Of how you're expected to move around. So, like, if you think about like, mm. uh, how what was their comparison? Like, rooftop levels are like ground level, like zero, and and like and, and being on the ground is like at negative one. Like, you really don't want to be in the ground on a yeah, dying light yeah, too because yeah. it's a lot more crowded. Because you you don't you don't have to like a classic Sonic game, right? There. Those are tether. Um, <laughs> it, because in dying light too, like. There's a lot more like human enemies that you you have to worry about. It seems like when they were uh, showing off the trailer, like that's that's to be a big focus now. Uh, and I don't know. It's it it looks promising, but I really need to learn more about like how like the structure of the game and in terms of like 
because when this is first like unveiled years and years ago they had like this big choices and consequences like system and like how is that going to play out what are the different variations if you're really going to lean into this or pivot into this more like narrative branching um perspective and i thought there's also uh they also confirmed that uh co-op can go go up to four players now in this game as well so that's cool yeah but yeah this is one this is i know i know by amusement but this does come into one of my most hyped games of the year i'm excited for this i'll learn my lesson but but i think it's it's also reasonable to be wary about this game from all the development trouble story we heard about yeah there's like yeah there's a reason that it took so long for it to come out now after being unveiled so long ago. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think not. Not as a, it's not a counter argument because I completely agree with you. But I'd say if it has a good foundation, because Dying Light One is so good. So for me, as long as it's honestly, if it's more Dying Light, that will be enough for me. Whereas like Biomutant, as a argument, that was a new IP that was untested. You know, not to rag on Biomutant in the last. Couple no, we're just, again, just uh, bringing it, bringing it full circle. Awesome. We started with Biomutant. We had with, we please don't be like Biomutant. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about like ongoing support, like, Dying Light was fairly well supported over the years. Like they're now releasing this Platinum Edition that has like all the content that's ever come out for that game, and that they added like quite a few things to that game, not just like campaign-wise, but like different modes, different just things you can do in that game, like like. Yeah, like, it was I think I forgot if they did a battle royale mode for that game, but there's like a, also like this raid mode or some content that they also recently added, like I think a year ago. Like it's kind of nuts where where they where they went with that. Yeah, that comes out uh, what December seventh this year. So, Dying Light Two is human. Yeah, so it'll maybe it'll be like this year's late cyberpunk only. <laughs> please don't be like Please don't be like cyberpunk. So, <laughs> and yeah, we're at the three hour mark now. A little bit past it, and we've made it on time. Kind of, we didn't go too much longer than last week, even though we cut the first section a little shorter, so we had time to squeeze all the Dragon Quest stuff in, all the Metal Max stuff in. We went on for too long about Sonic <laughs> for some reason, uh, but why not? So reaching all the way back to where we opened with, obviously you can read the Biomutant review on the site and go to the YouTube channel and look at the Final Fantasy VII remake intergrade footage, all of the news that we talked about from the Dragon Quest event, from the Metal Max event, from the Monster Hunter event, from the state of play is all up on the website. Adam and Kite do a fantastic job uh, keeping that all squared away and organized up on the site at rpgsite.net. You can follow us on Twitter at rpgsite. Uh, Alex Donaldson, our our boss, has been really pushing the Instagram. He's been playing with a lot of cool artsy, you know, things for the Instagram at RPGs, Instagram.com slash RPG site. Uh, lastly, we do have the Discord link at Discord.com slash RPG site or the link at the top of the homepage. But other than that, thanks for listening. We will be back next week. Until then, stay safe, take care. See you next time.